0: We are live, this is growing with my fellow growers. I'm at Jack Greenstock on Instagram, filling in as the host for Shane of the Cheap Home Grow podcast. This is a live YouTube show, it's also doubles as a podcast. And I'm here with a group of panel members that are also growers, and uh, we've got an IPM specialist with us today as well. So I'm gonna go ahead and pass it over to him first because I see officially we are now live on YouTube and I've muted uh, my playback.
1: Yeah, you must be talking about me, Jack. I am Matthew Gates, Integrated Pest Management Specialist. You can find pest content on YouTube channel Xenthanol, the same account that I will be talking in the chat with, and you can also find my content on Instagram as well as Twitter for that matter. I just had a lovely conversation with somebody in Japan talking about what got me, well, what cemented my interest in plants and bugs and that kind of a thing. So I've been making social media work for me, I think, a lot more than uh, it has in the past.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that. I know uh, social media is actually a very powerful tool if used correctly. So I'm glad that uh, you're making the best of it. And uh, thank you for joining us. Next up, we've got Dr. MJ. Hey
2: guys, Dr. MJ Coco from cocoforcannabis.com. I'm excited this week. We are really getting going with our plant training grow challenge um so we got a couple like 150 growers right now hoping to get about 200 sign up um flip day is october 1st and we hope you join us looking forward to the show today
0: i'm looking forward to it as well i hope we do get lots of people signing up on your website there also for the grow challenges uh always fun to see people growing side by side and all the different training methods next up uh, he's token over there in michigan Uh, our buddy spartan growing how you doing
3: we're doing good over here in Michigan. Um, Coke, Coco for cabinets. Uh, Dr. Coco, you forgot to bring up that awesome video of yours, man. You should plug that at least. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I have a girl life physics video. Go watch my physics video.
3: <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool just to see the physics of, of of like what happens when you put two lights next to each other or what happens when there's walls or not walls. It was it interesting stuff. So you guys should check that out. Um, but yeah, I'm a Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram. <laughs> Short
0: and sweet. You can also find him on uh, lots of shows on YouTube, like GML Show, uh, Michigan Bros Grow Show, and right here. Next up, we have Aaron, the grower.
4: Yes, that's me. I am not important. Don't worry about me. Don't listen to me. I am just uh, just a lowly grower. ATG Acres on Instagram. Happy to be here.
0: Don't mind me. Just here growing plants. <laughs> With that
5: said, next up, Brandon Rust. You're muted, buddy. You're still muted.
6: Oh, my bad. <laughs> um, what's going on, everybody? Uh, it's a, always a pleasure to be here. If you don't know who I am, I'm Brandon Rust. You can find my new Instagram because my old one got deleted. Um, at Rust Brandon, um, and uh, yeah, I'm a. I own Bokashi Earthworks, a biofertilizer company. And uh, I grow a bunch of weed professionally and at home. So it's great. Good stuff. And I love to be here and talk about it.
0: We're always happy to have you and uh, appreciate your perspective. Next up, we have the American one.
7: Thanks, Jack. And uh, shout out to Shane. And i um, glad to be here. Glad to see the panel and chat. Uh, I'm the American one on YouTube and American one with Akeens or on IG just look for the guy with the tab hat and uh yeah I'm glad to uh, chat it up with you guys every week I'm glad to be here thanks
0: we're happy to have you and uh, another breeder that we have on the panel tonight as well uh last but most certainly not least we have Kyle how you doing
5: hey everybody uh, glad to be here um yeah if anybody's looking for uh well, I guess first and foremost, uh, I'm a cannabis breeder that specializes in feminized seeds. If you're looking for some, you can go to the website pbreeding.com. Uh, if you're looking for thing that I'm working on or videos and material and stuff, you can find me at Predicative Breeding uh, on all social media platforms. And uh, I'm excited to see what tonight's all about. And uh, thanks for everyone being here.
0: Thank you for joining us. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we went live about the uh, prices of cannabis. And Matthew uh, pointed out that we are called the Cheap Home Grow. So price is often uh, something that is a bit of a factor for people out there in the community um, on whatever end you're coming from. And we have a few commercial producers with us tonight. And I know even uh, on the home grow front, um, talking with some friends of mine here locally in California, they've just mentioned that some of the uh, uh, gray market or illicit growers have been getting raided and that's leading to the prices going up on the unregulated market as well as the regulated market, which has already been kind of expensive. It might not be going up, but it's staying uh, equally high. But Brandon and Spartan were talking a little bit about the prices over there in uh, Oklahoma and Michigan. So maybe Brandon, you could uh, talk a little bit about what you were mentioning about maybe um, wanting to have more flavors versus just monocropping. And uh, if you're comfortable sharing any other prices or things like that live, you don't have to uh, necessarily. Yeah,
6: yeah, no, (laughs) I'm totally comfortable. Um, so, but I just want to backtrack to what you were saying, um, going back to California and the black market. So <clears throat> the, there, there, there's a reason why uh, the prices fluctuate throughout the country. And it's kind of almost like stock market when it comes to cannabis and California plays a huge role in that. And the black market in California plays the largest role. And the reason is, is because California especially Northern California. And when people think about California, they often think like big city life, that kind of stuff. California is a huge state with a ton of wilderness with perfect conditions to grow cannabis. And there is massive amounts, huge, huge operations, legal and illegal. A lot of these, you know, black market operations have been uh, sending you know, huge packs, you know, pounds of weed out of state to other states to supply those black markets. Um, Because of Proposition 64 was so badly written, um, what's happened is uh, the taxes and the licensing to run a farm is so exuberant that most people can't afford to do it. And a lot of companies that are the larger ones, they do it on a loss just because they can afford to do that and then end up taking market share later on. So what happens is right now, California's black market is booming. They're not sending a lot of stuff out of state because people would rather go to the black market than go to dispensaries because the prices are too high because the owners are being taxed at every for everything. Sales, there's state tax, there's the local taxes.
1: You're nothing. required to package a certain way.
6: Test yeah. It. So it's just a nightmare for Californians especially if you're trying to cultivate cannabis. Hence, that's the reason why I left. Um, so what happened Ding, happens
4: ding, is- ding. I'll see you, if you- I'll see you soon. That's why I'm leaving. This place <laughs> yeah, is- well, high capacity- when I started, I was in the- We're brought
1: back, back too, so we'll see how that goes.
0: I did just see that high capacity magazine, uh, but Aaron, what were you saying? You kind of got cut off there.
4: I was just saying that I started, it's funny, I moved from Florida to California 10 years ago to grow cannabis legally. And now I have to move out of California to grow cannabis legally.
6: Yeah that's and there's half it's happening a lot um a lot of people are moving out of california especially people that are heavily involved in cannabis because they want to operate without having to look over the shoulders people are i mean i was fed up with it man two prison terms i was i was fucking done i was like i'm not ever like this is fucking this
0: you can grow cannabis legally in california but if you're looking to sell cannabis legally um that's a different story but well, a commercial you, you can operation grow six for shooting. any adult who's over the age of 21 can grow six plants inside their home and anybody who gets a medical card can grow 12 plants and there's also something that's still within proposition 215 which is called a limits exemption prop 215 still does exist in a much, much more restricted way, but if you have a medical condition that needs limits exemption, you can actually get an unlimited plant count in California. But if they catch you selling your stuff or using it for something other than your own medical uses, then you're going to end up in jail and they're going to raid you. And they're it's going just to not understand. the
4: case, though. Th- this stuff is just on paper. You know, th- it all looks great on paper. And it does protect really small homegrown patients. But mom and pop craft farmers like myself that have moved into the California market a decade ago in a legal way are getting squeezed out. What we're going to see in a decade or 20 years is. California market is all Walmarts. It's all gonna be cookie fam. I hate to break it to you, but there ain't gonna be nothing in California but cookie fam and jungle boys in ten years.
1: I think it'll be it'll become cool to do not that and then it'll happen. Um there in the the I wanted to share that the county of San Diego, I posted about this a few weeks ago. Um but uh they had an agenda item. Uh, called Measures to Provide Economic Access and Equity in the Cannabis Industry, and they were voting on it, the the Board of Supervisors were, and it was proposed, and it was shot down, and it just sucks because, you know, like, there's so many industrial and medical applications for cannabis, and I I feel very, like you're saying, Aaron, I'm very fearful that um, California is such a great agricultural state, it could really do a lot with this resource, but for many very different reasons but people are not going to be able to happen.
4: by capitalism, by the ultimate form of capitalism and you would we sit think, here though, in this state but you would,
1: you would think that something economically disruptive like this would be taken advantage of potentially it is being taken advantage of
4: but well, not by not like
0: that mm-hmm. You know George that. Soros invested millions of dollars who's he's a big billionaire he's going to invest millions or you know hundreds of millions of dollars into legalizing cannabis in a state like California so he and his own people can benefit he's not going to do it so small craft producers can benefit he's going to do it so millionaires can make more millions and it's in fact you're exactly
4: right like Jack the legislation has been written by the people that it benefits so and they've even there's even been like examinations of legislation that show that it, it didn't benefit large corporations for a short period of time, but it was enough time to dissolve off mom and pop shops. So you can make the argument that you're, you're spraying the cannabis industry with a pesticide until all the mom and pop cannabis companies fall, die away. And it's just the, the, the massive ones that are able to withstand
0: it well i'll say this my wife works at a delivery service and there are companies like flocona who have been funded by big tobacco like philip morris um, but flocona does buy product from people like yourself aaron who have small craft farms in northern california that are growing organically you can go look up their instagram and you can find they have a few thousand followers they're growing 100 percent organically and they license their product through a middleman and are middleman those farmers
4: that- being represented
0: yeah, it says it right on the outside of the jar. It's the very, very first thing on the outside of the jar. It says the farmer's name, like Flower Day's Farms. And then it'll say the name of the strain. And then when you take it out, there's a flow can, of like a uh, jar inside of like a metal tin. But the so, problem
6: well, the problem there too is then those people will never get, only, they'll only ever get a certain dollar amount, right? Like, and it's always going to be probably less than the value of their work because- Exactly, kind of functions- that's what I'm- Exactly. Go ahead, Brandon. You're on it, dude. Because those companies, they're going to say, we want all you have, but we're going to cap you at this. We don't pay more than this. This is what we have. And what they'll do is they'll squeeze people into positions where they don't really have a choice. But to right. play devil's advocate, yeah.
0: a lot of people have just wanted a legal option to be in the market, and if that dollar amount is something that they can agree upon, that they can run their business upon and, and pay their bills and hire trimmers and have their family safely be able to sleep at night knowing they're not going to get raided and have their doors ripped off and have their cars taken away and have their dog shot and killed, like all these things that were happening before legalization, this if they can be promised those right things. Now, but... Dude, that's it's, happening, it's, it's to happening to my fucking people neighbors. That can't, That's happening they, to my neighbors afford. right now. And I think that's I, wrong. I didn't support people... Prop 64.
4: There's people that are doing this shit legally and there's these green Avenger police officers in my neck of the woods that are showing up because they don't think it's right. Not because it's illegal, not because there's a law that justifies what they're doing, because there was a fucking police officer shot in this area by a cannabis grow and now they want to fight back. Now, you know, this is a very specific situation, but I think this kind of thing is happening all over the state.
1: Well, and I would agree also with the disposition that you're describing that, for example, in San Diego, the board of supervisors i think that if they were if i think they were really thinking you know probably because it threatens some of their own interests perhaps right but if they were true truly capitalistically looking at this and they were trying to capitalize on a disruptive economic um industry like cannabis um i would think that they would be in arms but of course they must have some sort of obligation sort of thing and so that causes them to not be okay with it to go to a uh of war on the drug right something we're very familiar with terminologically
0: we need we know it needs to happen coming out of prohibition back to
1: what you were saying jack brandon i just want
0: to say one thing really quick okay because we have a perfect example alcohol prohibition happened there was no alcohol for a, a decade and then when they came out of prohibition do you know what they did to make the legal producers stomp out the black market they made the taxes incredibly low so that way everybody wanted to buy legal booze so that way no one was going to buy from the bootleggers. And the problem is because taxes are so high in cannabis right now, the regulators aren't seeing the thought is what you should have done when you legalized at the very beginning is start with taxes really low. And then once they get people's trust in the legal market, then you can raise them up. And that's when you start to make the money. Even if it's a 1% tax, if you get 1% of 100% of the sales, you're going to make more money than you know, getting 5% of or like 20 or 30, what they're actually pushing right now and not getting yeah. very much in the market at all because everybody's staying with their traditional
2: That would that's exactly been the problem right that they've gone at too high of a price point to capture market share
0: i will say it seems like california might be a little bit too close to home for some of us on the panel and uh there's a lot of personal attachment to it so i think maybe we could switch over to the michigan scene and get a little bit of a uh, input there from spartan grown and see how the legalization is going uh on your front over there
3: um so as far as, I mean, California is still an influence here in the, in Michigan. Um, it's why we're so dry. All, you know, one thing that wasn't brought up is all the raids. There's been a crap ton of raids in California. Yep. And all of those raids that have taken down, that takes flour out of the market one way or another. It doesn't matter what market you're talking about. It takes flour out of the market. And that means the other market has to try to provide where the other market's down. So we are dry as hell in Michigan. It doesn't matter. I mean, as long as you pass metric that they're, they're just willing to take that flower. Yeah.
0: Doesn't that put a, a good producer like yourselves who in your position in Michigan, you guys are like a small craft producer. If you can produce a quality product that passes the legal testing in the market, you can get a very high dollar amount for your pounds and they end up selling we, out right away, essentially. Right. So there's an and incentive a matter, for
3: good producers to be in the market. It's all a matter of perspective. Um, We've taken the business approach of we're not going to gouge when we can uh, in hopes that when times are tough, that that same kind of uh, favor will be given to us with the dispensaries that we choose to work with. We try to work with uh, a core of dispensaries, the same ones, and build a good relationship that way rather than just spreading stuff everywhere. We do try to spread things um, around the state so everyone in the state has a chance to try our flower and we can get our name out there. Um, but, uh, so it's like, we have like four or five dispensaries that we work, you know, they get all flour every harvest, they get some of our flower. And then we might have an occasional one that is really far away or something that we just want to get our name out that we'll work with here and there. But we've set a price at, um, I mean, we could easily ask, we could easily ask a thousand dollars more than what we do per pound, but we don't, and we could get it, but, uh, we're choosing to, to build a relationship rather than just trying to make as much money as possible. So to answer your question, yeah, I'm sure 100% we could, but, uh, and there's people that offer us, hey, you know, we, we turn them down, they call us and we say, you know, no, we don't have any flour, we, we or you are working with these other people, and they'll offer us more, but we just turn them down because it's, I don't know, we're all caregivers, yeah. we all came from the uh, free market, I like to call it the free market, we all came from the free market, so those tendencies and those business practices kind of came with us, and we think it's more important, I mean, it, it's the whole cannabis community altogether, it's more of a in-person handshake kind of a deal than you know business from afar kind of thing
6: yeah let me ask you uh, what what are you guys not you personally but the Michigan market the Michigan legal market I should say what are you guys mid to high uh, price points on on peas
3: I would say um, I would say the highest I've seen is just over five thousand and Ooh. I don't know the low end because I don't look at it.
6: Yeah.
3: Yeah. But we're not anywhere near there. I mean, that was that was a like a, an extreme circumstance. But right now, I would say uh, if you have high quality, you would have no problem getting rid of pounds at about four k. If you have metric tested, if you're in the uh, if you're in the free market, then uh, you know you can probably knock another grand off of that. But it'll still move. It's dry as shit out here.
6: Yeah. It's dry everywhere right now. As far as as far as traditional market goes, I don't really operate. I just still I just still like you just know you know you still know how those markets work when you've been in the when you've been in the business so long you know and well uh,
3: you got friends and contacts you keep up with and they'll tell you they will let you know even if you're not in it they let you know how it's
1: going. You
0: yeah. can see the news reports when some of these large farms are getting raided. That's just going to take. I mean, it's a supply and demand thing. We we're talking. There's two markets really. And if you're taking a huge amount of supply out of one of the markets that a lot of people tended to use, then the prices are just going to start to go up and you're going to have shortages of supply. And one of the things sure. I wanted to mention earlier with the um, whole raids thing that you were talking about, Aaron, and I'm sorry that some of your neighbors have gotten raided and I'm sorry to hear many farmers in California are still getting raided. I think it's terrible. It Budgasm on Instagram, aka uh, Future Cannabis Project on YouTube, had a video with um a few growers up north who just basically talked about like the raids that are happening and a few things that you could do um, to basically protect yourself legally, even if they come and raid your stuff, at least you'll have like, you know, one thing was like videotaping, um, making sure like don't consent, not not consenting to searches, even if they claim that they have some sort of warrant. Um, But I'll leave the rest of it to you to go watch that at some other time on Future Cannabis Project. There's a lot of good information over there for anybody who's uh, in those larger grow operations in California that might be worried about potential raids and things like that.
4: Yeah, I didn't see that video, but um, I know that, you know, that area, Santa Cruz, where those those guys are at, that's happening a lot. Um, my area, it's it's, it's bad. Um,
0: Down here in Riverside, uh, Southern California, a lot of raids there too as well. It's all over um, California. But to get back onto the homegrown side of things. Oh, uh, well. um, Sorry, Matthew. But there, there
4: are home growers getting getting busted out here. I, I read a story the other day about a um, them them thinking there was a garden on one on this one property, and they you know looked over the fence at the other at the neighbor, and there was like seven plants in this old lady's backyard, and they they arrested her and shredded her shit. So.
0: be Safe, especially if you're cultivating outdoors, because that's banned in 67% of California. So, over two thirds of the state has officially banned outdoor greenhouse cultivation. That's why I mentioned earlier indoor, um, because I know that's the only way that I can grow in my, my city currently legally is to grow indoors. Um, because, like I said, most of the state has actually banned outdoor cultivation, but it still does provide an outlet. Uh, a lot of people actually prefer indoor, so they can control the environment and things like that. And I think some of the best cannabis I've ever smoked is. Homegrown indoor cannabis. So, with that being said, uh, maybe I'll Matthew. Actually, did you have a point before we moved on that you wanted to make?
1: Yeah, a very quick one. I was just gonna say that um, as a small anecdote. Several years ago, I remember up in um, the like Lone Pine, Bishop, Inyo County area, um, where I where I've sort of frequented. Basically, apparently there was large grow around there, and <laughs> the story I was told was that everybody knew about it for like years but because they switched police officers or they had some sort of um uh change of the guard something happened where people who weren't used to the normal um uh population there they went out they found it and they raided the area and it was like the biggest raid in that place for like years and it was all because everyone knew about it but they all had like an agreement that it wouldn't be a problem or some such and it's only because other people came in with different mindsets and perspectives that it really occur. And I understand why those organizations do it; it's for exactly this kind of effect. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that th- there's definitely large swaths of people who are, uh, well, they're not compliant in that perspective.
0: I want to shout out the chat for a second. Uh, Prof Knows It All says, it's not dry here at all. Thanks, Coco for Cannabis. I believe that's what they're abbreviating CFC. So shout out to Dr. MJ. Uh, we got somebody in the chat who appreciates your guides and advice who's uh, not dry at home because they're growing their own. Yeah, I hope that right. a lot of people have that That's what experience. I was thinking, Joe. I'm like,
2: I'm not dry here in California. I feel bad for oh. the rest of you guys. But yeah, that's exactly why why we grow our own, right?
0: yeah i'm harvesting another plant i just harvested one earlier or a week or two ago and we've got two more coming down so it's always nice to be able to grow your own
2: yeah cool shout out to prof prof knows it all grow love bro
3: i do want to make one one point though um it's not all doom and gloom uh, and i have a, an example um you know a lot of times you'll hear on shows like this people will say you know get involved and you can make change and you think yeah right but no it's happened here something as simple as social media you think it's dumb but So here in Michigan, we had a Republican, uh, I think he was in the, I don't remember if he was House or Senate, but anyways, he introduced a bill to essentially, long story short, take away home grower rights. What he was doing was he was wanting to make it so it would, if this law were enacted, all home growing would be illegal until your local jurisdiction specifically drafted an ordinance allowing it. So obviously, you know, the cannabis community, got once we got wind of it, we weren't Thrilled with that, so um, we organized. We made several social media posts with that senator's office's phone number, email address, and he was flooded, over and over and over again. And he withdrew. He withdrew his uh, his bill. So, I mean, you can affect change. That definitely happens. Political in, uh, action in progress. Well well done, Spartan.
2: I, I really appreciate that. I think that uh, we have to remember to raise our voices and use our sort of uh, the the political power that we have in those ways. So way to make it. gotten lawyer.
0: cannabis legalized. I mean, uh, we've had the, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's on the YouTube channel anymore, but we had the founder of Normal on the Cheap Home Grow podcast once upon a time. And without people like himself, starting in the 70s, pushing for legalization, decriminalization and more uh, just friendly laws towards cannabis, we wouldn't be where we are today. And I think it's upon all of us to stand on the shoulders of those giants and keep pushing forward to try and get more and more friendly cannabis laws where home growers have rights, where decriminalization is a number one subject, because even if you are growing one too many plants, there shouldn't be SWAT teams breaking down your doors to steal everything that you have from you. Um, I think everybody can agree upon the fact that that's wrong. Uh, people aren't hurting people with cannabis and we all want to try and push for more pro- progressive rights. And another example of what Spartan was talking about, it's not cannabis related, but there's a thing called Kratom or Kratom and uh, it's a you know plant-based medicine. It's more towards like the opioid family type of things, but they were trying to ban it in the US and they had a similar thing where there was like a deadline where you could reach out to a certain senator until that deadline and so many thousands of people reached out with positive stories and there were so few negative stories that they were forced to stop making legislation against this so it's sort of in like a gray unregulated area still which may be unfortunate for some reasons but for the people that access it that have clean sources that are happy with what they have I think it's a uh, very powerful to assert yourself politically I mean cannabis I hate to get political about like Democrat, Republican, but I'm a pretty one policy candidate. Like I want cannabis to be as uh, justly, um, I guess, legislated as possible. And that might be like, not at all in some circumstances.
3: There's a lot of power in just wasting people's time. You know, if you can tie up somebody's email or you can tie up somebody's phone or you can just interrupt their life. Most of these politicians are so fucking pampered That one little disruption makes them move on it. So, I mean, some of the littlest things, just don't give up.
0: And on the opposite end, out of sight, out of mind. As soon as you're not being heard, as soon as you're not in that office, as soon as you're not making those phone calls and those emails, then they'll say, oh, maybe uh, we can screw over those cannabis people and make my buddies rich again or whatever and and sneak in some cannabis cannabis policy that's negative. Like they tried to, and thankfully somebody who was sharp enough to spot it before it got passed by. But to get off politics, because I don't want to be on the soapbox all night. I want to pass it over to uh, Kyle, because you've been quiet over there. How are things going in Mass for you? I know you've uh, got your stuff back up and running again recently. Um, are you generally happy with uh, policies, and or even if you don't want to talk about policy, how's uh, everything going in your grow?
7: You're still muted. He might have stepped away or something.
0: Yeah, he may be away from the keyboard, so uh, I guess I could pass the same question to the American one. You've been equally quiet over there. Um, I know that you're in a place that maybe doesn't have the most progressive policy. Is there anything that you're doing on that front? And uh, If you don't want to talk about policy, maybe, how's the girl going?
7: Um, I'll talk about anything. Nobody wants to know my opinion. No, I'm just messing. But, um, yeah, uh, the cannabis across the land affects everyone across the whole nation, so even in uh, red states, prices fluctuate, you know? And I was I was talking about this the other day, that at one point, the cannabis was worth more than its weight in gold, literally, in like 1980-something, gold was like $300 an ounce and people were getting $500 an ounce for uh, cannabis. So, uh, eventually if it gets legalized, it's gonna be regulated and they'll probably have a futures market on it and stuff, eventually, I can imagine. But uh, yeah, I, you know, in my entire growing history, I never had a thrip. I found thrips on a plant uh, this week, as a matter of fact. So, I'd rather not discuss what's growing on over here. So, uh, but other you didn't knock on yeah, wood
0: hard enough. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. what you're saying, well, right?
7: Not enough or not hard enough. Yep, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs>
0: Matthew, uh, I know that you're on the IPM side of things. Are thrips uh, causing havoc out here on the west coast this year, or have people got them more under control than typically?
1: I've been seeing a lot of thrips personally. Um, <laughs> I uh, I'm recounting the fact that I was working with some um, hemp growers, and um, right next to their property are some people who are. The, in their in their backyard they just happen to be growing one of the most invasive plants that exists in california and across the united states of america and and that would be the castor bean plant and um that castor bean like pokes out it's giant it pokes out over the uh fence line and then drops all of its seeds onto the property so i often use those you know i ha- uh they have a system where they they're they're weeding actually right now because it's so difficult and it's also for those who don't know it's a huge heat wave in the west coast especially um in southern california so it's very hot and the the plants are drying up some of them are and that causes the thrips to swarm and move on to plants that are not dried they can feed on and this is true for a lot of other insects too but uh when those castor bean plants when those seeds sprout um <laughs> I kind of use them as like a metric test to tell okay well let's see how bad it is and I turn over the leaves of these seedlings. Sure enough there's tons of spider mites and thrips and that sort of a thing. I also sometimes see predatory mites too in those areas Uh, but yeah thrips are a huge pain right now for sure.
0: That sort of seems like one of those things where nature uh, abhors a vacuum, I think is what Scotty Real always says. And uh, whether it's microbes being like bleached away, they come back either as like pathogenic or beneficial if you apply a beneficial. Uh, Or if it's pests, if one's just out of hand, like a bunch of spider mites, then eventually what wants to eat that spider mite is going to lurk around. So I'm not surprised to hear that you saw beneficials as well. But I'm also not surprised to hear thrips are still causing an issue out here in California. It's been an issue for more than just the cannabis plant. Uh, here on the west coast for many many years so i imagine people should get more familiar with those if they live on the west coast and uh Xenthanol youtube channel actually has quite a few videos to uh, help you battle those things if you ever do come across them
1: i do have a whole playlist on the order Thysanoptera, which are the thrips and especially the western flower thrips and the onion thrips were like the which are pretty much the two big pest species of thrips in uh in general
3: very good you I'm find open. isopropyl isopropyl added to a foliar spray is really effective on thrips because there was something i had heard somebody from plant therapy say and i tried it and it worked better then i was wondering to myself i wonder if you just use isopropyl in water if it would work just as effective and then without the actual treatment i was wanting to ask you that matthew so i'll I'll ask you right now
1: i wouldn't be surprised i mean i haven't done that myself but um, the problem I would have with the cannabis in particular is if the isopropyl would um, have an in it that might affect the plant or would um, uh, dissolve the trichomes and terpenes and that sort of a thing.
3: Well, I would be in that veg, so I wouldn't have to worry about the trichomes, but maybe I could use a grain alcohol to worry. That way I would know that it's organic and can be consumed at least yeah I yeah, guess
1: is that it's alcohol good. is pretty pretty poisonous to animals generally, most animals
3: like I was Including thinking uh, I think it was thirty mils per gallon. I wrote it down somewhere, I believe it was thirty mils to the gallon that I was told, yeah thirty mils per gallon, so that somebody like said they you
0: you told them like uh Two teaspoons of plant therapy and two teaspoons or tablespoons of alcohol or something like that mixed with like a
3: yeah I'd have to figure out what exactly that what measured out to but the 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 rate I was given from the company was thirty mils per gallon so maybe maybe that that many tablespoons turned out to that it sounds like something I would do to hey, partner, tell
4: can you expand on the science on of that at all or, or what anything that you might have heard about it does it dry out the uh insects
1: I mean alcohol is poisonous. For the same reason why it's poisonous to mammals, to, to humans,
3: so they that would have to like consume enough. it. Is that what you're saying?
4: Matthew? Yeah, that was that was my question. Is it, is it like oh, a consumption or a coding?
1: No, thing? no, no. That would not be necessary. Um, so, yeah. So, like alcohol will like for example, we use alcohol. We use more you know different versions of alcohols like ethanol to uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Preserve to preserve specimens and that sort of a thing so I mean it does definitely doesn't need to be eaten or anything like that but yeah drying out is part of it but it just um it, it is also like extremely toxic especially when you consider how small thrips are and how um proportionally a spray even at the rate that spartan Groom was talking about would be for them that's like make, that's like coming into contact with like I mean if you came into contact with like a pool sized amount of like pure grain alcohol, that would start to have huge problems for your body if you jumped in.
6: <laughs> Even just so you can't of spray one. pure just grain alcohol on yeah. your plants either. Well imagine you'd have a pretty bad hangover after a dip. <laughs> That definitely.
0: <laughs> That'd be an interesting uh, experience there. I know even just pouring it out of my bong when I've uh, cleaned with like isopropyl alcohol, which is usually 91 percent just the smell of it, like inhaling that, I can imagine it being very damaging to the respiratory pathway if I was closer to it and it was coating my entire face and body and lungs like a thrip would be getting hit by a foliar there. And Spartan, Actually, I appreciate. Since the, you're uh,
1: asking the question, um, I'm, I'm doing a video right now about insect digestion and how it's important to IPM. And without being super controversial here uh basically there are some opinions out there about um, the ability for insects to feed on plants appropriately and the suitability of like sugar content and that sort of a thing and it'll go over that sort of stuff so if you're interested in that um keep a look are you going to talk about
4: refractometers that i just got a refractometer oh fun bricks levels are you gonna so can i ask a little preview a little teaser um do you believe that BRICS levels have as big of an influence on like plant health and protection from, from pathogens
1: as people are starting to claim? To some degree, yes, but not to the degree, degree to some people to it's not to the degree that I have seen some people who are prominent in agricultural spheres talk about. So that's why I wanted to say, because like it's for one thing, the the big caveat, the big concession point up front is that insects are so diverse and even when we're just talking about herbivorous insect groups and species and that sort of a thing they're extremely extremely diverse their um, physiology their stomach uh, rather their mid-gut foregut hind hindgut all that stuff how they're constructed super complex super different between various orders so like for example I heard um, I don't remember his name off the top of my head Somebody said something about how sugar or uh, um, insects don't have a pancreas, which is kind of an indolent remark to make because, yeah, they don't have a pancreas because mammals have pancreases, but um, like this, the function, the physiological function of a pancreas is not like just only for mammals. So insects, for example, um, have various ways of getting mm-hmm. rid of toxins and um metabolizing sugars for example uh hemiptera aphids for example um in specific they uh you know they puncture a phloem channel and they let the difference in pressure shunt the phloem up into their body and they have tons of enzymes to break down sugar it's literally what they've developed over hundreds of they predate flowering plants even so like I just think it's kind of a weird. They've emotion. been breaking down sugars
4: way before our pancreas was.
3: Yes.
1: Exactly. Well, I think.
3: I think what the major um, misunderstanding is. I think bricks. People should be looking at bricks, not just because it. Me- okay, bricks measures the sugar count in the in the plant. Yes, but what that's telling you is is basically general health of the plant. So so in general terms, yeah, a higher bricks would mean you have a higher pest resistance because it's a generally healthier plant. But it doesn't mean that the pest wouldn't come down and eat it just as easily Absolutely. as any other plant if it happened to blow into it or whatever.
6: That's how I feel about it. I've been, I've been testing bricks since 2014, right? And it's not just the, the sugars, right? Because the plant is using its metabolism to synthesize a, a huge variety of complex carbon chains. Some of these are pro, proteins, amino acids, carbohydrates sugars, uh, enzymes, there's tons and tons of stuff in, in what you're looking through the refractometer. It's not just plant sugars, right? So the indication when you're getting a high percentage in a reading, it's giving you a ba- it's giving you a general idea of the concentration of all of those different things, what they are. There's no way to be a hundred percent sure because you'd have to have those things analyzed. So we'd have to put those run those through probably HPS machine.
4: I got a question for you, Brandon. Is it like are there to your understanding, is there like sugar versions of the nutrients we're familiar with, like calcium and nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium that are like that we are looking at? Or is this a byproduct of those nutrients
6: circulating in the plant creating
4: like these these sugars? Okay. So
6: the function in, uh, photosynthesis is the uptake of carbon dioxide through the stomata and they cleave off the, uh, the high uh, the, uh, the molecules, right. And they use that, the carbon from the, from the CO2, the car that's carbon and oxygen, they expel off the oxygen. They use those carbons and they use, uh they use a lot of the minerals like you know the like sulfur and things like uh phosphorus right phosphorus is super important for atp synthesis um and they and they have like these biochemical reactions that are happening that actually uh you know build so the sugar
4: is a byproduct of those biochemical reactions yeah so it's
6: it's called it's called I, i believe it's called anabolism where they're the buildup of uh Chemicals I- internally, right? So these carbon chains are being bonded together through certain processes internally, and then they're utilizing these uh, as, like, you know, some of them will will work as exudates. Some of these are, um, you know, to synthesize new cells, new biology, you know, uh, to synthesize their DNA and RNA. Um, and some of these are actually the synthesize the different hormones, which are going to be used as signal molecules to like guide where, you know, these nutrients need to go for like auxin, for instance, for instance, my understanding that auxin is like when you pinch or top a plant, the auxin is redistributed to the auxiliary sites that, and that's why you get that branching is because it's a hormone, it's a hormone react signaling reaction that tells the plant where it needs to direct the majority of its energy
3: well it's more it's more than that really the auxins are actually produced in the tips so if you remove those tips they they can't produce it until you know the the only ones that can produce it has to to regenerate it would have
4: to regenerate but but we understand when we top that we are setting the plant back a little bit at least right like we're we're literally taking a week out of its life and saying
6: start over no i don't agree with that I don't. I don't really either because I take so little matter. Like actually. I'm overgeneralizing.
4: Let me just say, obviously, I'm overgeneralizing here. But I, I but don't I think, think you
2: really cost yourself much of anything. It depends on when you top it. It's sort of and how you're you're topping, but um, and well, when you decide to measure. If you decide to measure like right after you topped, then yeah, you've you've reduced the size of the biomass, but um, the amount know, but of growth that physical, you can get out of that plant recovery. You, re-
4: you remove the physical auxins that were. In that, you know, that meristem is, as I think, right. what Spartan was saying. Right. So, so that was you, the thing you, I wanted you, you to say about with, that. That chance for that, that plant to use those auxins so that's that that not where those
2: mm-hmm. auxins. Mm-hmm. So hold on, auxins that we're talking about that we remove by topping are growth inhibitors. They're not growth promoters. The ah, auxins, the okay. auxins See, now flow now down somewhere. from the, the apical tip, and they repress the growth of the the proximate tips that are lower than them. This great, creates the Christmas tree shape that we're all familiar of untrained cannabis plants, where the branches that are closer to the apex are the shortest branches. And the branches that are farthest from the apex have a chance to grow longer because they're under less suppression from the auxins from the
4: apex. So you're removing so, the inhibitory signal when you talk. Yes, actually. you're okay. removing the inhibitor
2: when you, when you signal that. And the auxins flow downward through the plant.
4: Um, say, so that's why LST like works. Down after to sort I've of when them.
2: you lower the apex below the auxiliary growth tips, those auxiliary growth tips are less affected by the auxins from the the apex, and that allows them to sort of grow up. Um, so yeah, the auxins are an inhibitor. <laughs> that's so, that's so an
4: important point. When we see like a like a like a slight stunt or like a period of of growth after a topping, that's probably just from stress.
2: Well, if you stress the plant, yeah. And there are ways to really well, shock the plant by topping it too early. That's that's something that, that can certainly be done. Um, but if you have a good root mass really to power you through that, that topping, I, I, I mean, if you come back 10 days after the topping... Um, I'd rather have the plant that was topped than the plant that wasn't topped in, in terms of biomass oh, by that absolutely. point. So I don't really think it sets you back, if that makes sense. I mean, I've done side-by-side no, right. side plants, one top, one not. The especially top plant with auto flowers.
0: Auto is a, re- a really good demonstration of that uh, with you, Dr. MJ, because they're on a, such a limited timeline in your bench. Yeah. So if you top it versus not topping it, you can really see with the final yield of the plant, although that they're not always going to have the exact same uh, phenotype one yeah, you to know- another but you can I wanna, get a general idea.
2: I want to say that things that happen during the course of the life seem to affect the speed of autos. Um, I, don't, I know that the autos are basically pre-programmed, but there are things that happen during the course of the grow that, that seem to either encourage them to stay on that schedule or could potentially sort of set them back. Um, and I think that some of the training things actually can sort of delay the onset of flowering in autos, depending on how they're done. Um, so, uh, there may be other sort of differences in, in regard to that. I've also definitely noticed, and I'd like to put this out sort of to the community to pay attention to, um, in, in grow spaces that are fully lit, autos tend to be a little bit faster than in grow spaces that are somewhat underlit um i definitely see that or at least i I think that i'm seeing that relationship i would say that and
0: for plants in general but chiba man in the chat asked dr mj how is how early is too early for topping
2: well we really want to be able to see the roots and usually you can't see the roots and that's sort of what you're really trying to to gauge it off of um i usually do the the first topping um after the first transplant and after the plant grows past the sixth node um, is sort of pushing out the seventh node. and it, But that's just sort of a rule of thumb. I mean, the, the, the reality is at that point, if the plant is growing well, then it's probably got a good root mass. But unless you're in DWC, you're not going to really be able to, to verify that directly. But generally, I like to wait to do the first topping until the plant is growing past the sixth node and is is a happy plant, is sort of growing okay see
4: i when i when i top i don't worry about any of that shit i'm like oh it's this tall i want to top it oh it's this tall again i want to top it again and i'm just pulling the tips off and i can tell that every time i do that it 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 takes a day to uh, maybe a week if if i'm in the middle of winter or something and they're outside for them to really like bounce back from that stress and maybe that's kind of what spartan was getting at when he was when he brought this up with the oxen's spartan what's your experience with topping plants
3: well, there's two ways you can top plant. Or let me rephrase that. There's three, three ways that I top plants. Let me clear this real quick. So, so my favorite way, if I have the time and I'm, I'm willing to put in extra time because it takes way more than traditional topping is the GM, I call it the GML topping technique because that's who I learned it from, grandmaster level. And what that is, is you're not, re, you're not taking the meristem at all. You're just taking the supporting fan leaves. If you can, if you take the fan leaves, you still get a good amount of the auxins, and you still get the same, I believe you get the same growth rate. You, you don't get the slowdown. You get the topping effect, but you don't get the slowdown. So you'll look at the top of my plants and veg and they'll look weird and stripped down at the top. Like maybe I've got, it starts out, it's usually just one, but it's a thing you have to do like every other day because the leaves grow so fast. So you go in there and you just, I'm just taking the, of my top most apical meristems, I'm just taking the fan leaves. And now the fan leaf might be only this small, but I can tell what a fan leaf looks like and I can get in there and get it out of there. And uh, I just keep the tops with no fan leaves. And and then it, it encourages all the other ones to bush out and get where I wanna go. Um, that's my preferred method of doing it if I have the time to do it. Now, if I'm running into situations where I don't have time and I can't keep up, I'll do my traditional top. At that time, I like to top really, um, really young, so either coming out of a clone or probably third, fourth node coming out of yep. a seedling. And um, I take like a min I mean, the smallest top you could ever imagine, really. I, I get down there and just spread the leaves real careful and just fold it against itself and the top comes right out. So, I mean, it's very little plant material, but I like to get that early top to get that early split. I just like the structure of that. And then uh, what was the third? Third is if I'm letting them grow, usually this is on a mother plant. If I'm taking clones off of a mother plant and I'm letting them grow long and leggy so I can get nice, good sized clones off the tops. I like to take my clones off the top. So essentially I'm taking clones, but I'm also topping my plant at the same time. So I'll get three, four nodes and take a big, big old clone and cut it down to probably two nodes and have a nice, good. size. I like my clones to be nice and big i, I do
4: that too and that's when i see the biggest stunting
3: yeah and that's for a mother plant so i don't care and, yeah and exactly I, so yeah. i'm doing that i don't have people. the i don't, no, I, I, do. don't
6: have, I don't have the slowdown period when i do my uh my chopping but i do like you do spartan right after i transplant my clone after it's been rooted i i go from one gallon in holding to 10 and then i veg for a couple for two weeks and then i flip um but what i'll do is like a probably about a week after they've been transplanted in that one gallon, I'll go through and I'll clip all those tiny little tops and they'll just bush out. And the whole rest of what I do, there's no more topping or anything like that. It's literally just pruning the bottoms from you'd let those grow out. They're going to get big. You're going to go in there. You're going to clean up the the bottoms. And then as they get big and they start to grow into flower, you'll clean up the bottoms. And then you might do some select, I might do some selective, like pruning uh, throughout flowering to let light penetration if I need it. Um, but, my, but my cloning technique or my, uh, my, uh, my pruning technique is just to take a very, very small tip of the plant very young because then it will just immediately turn into a bush as soon as it starts growing out.
2: So, I usually mainline or manifold my plants, which means I grow them out to the sixth node. I do what uh, Chris was saying in chat, I think. Um, grow them out to six past the sixth node and literally cut the plant in half. I top down high on the third node um, and then trim the tips off the first and the second node and leave the plant with only those two tips growing off the third node. Six days later, that plant's ready to be topped again. Th- those two nodes have grown out past their third node. And so it takes about six days for the plant to sort of get back to the same height that it was before I planted it or before I topped it the first time. Um, but when it gets back to that height, now it has two branches. It literally doubled in size um, in those, across the course of those six days. And uh, it'll be ready for topping that, that second time then. Um, then I usually top the, the third time at the first node on those sides. And it's usually only like two days later um, that I can do that that third and final topping. So um, I, I mean, I really don't, I, I sort of push back against the idea of a slowdown as just a result of topping. I think that um, it, it speeds things up in terms of the production of biomass within the tent. Um, but certainly there's that moment where you cut your plant in half or you remove biomass and then you know you're behind at that point. But the idea there is it it sort of increases the rate of growth going forward and you recover from that and then sort of quickly advance past that.
6: I think one of the benefits for what I'm doing is that there's no, there's no um, negative negative from, because the the, the amount of biomass that you're taking is minuscule, right? And then anytime that you're taking any biomass further, it's always going to be off the bottom. So that way you're enhancing the, the, you know the growth at the top so anytime you do take biomass it's going to be like you're cleaning up your skirt and that's going to be promoting a lot of the stuff that's at the top so we don't end up with like larf.
3: yeah i'm a big fan big fan sometimes probably too much i like taking a lot of the bottoms in my home grow i'm picky i don't want to pit i don't want to trim small buds so I grow big plants, and I cut all that crap off the bottom.
6: I do do a type of lollipopping, too, in the facility, in my home grow. I mean, if you look at our plants, our plants are huge, but there's, like, nothing at the the bottom two-thirds of those plants. And it's because I can grow trees and grow, like, real nice, solid, you know, foot colas and just have tops, and not have to worry about all the bullshit. Because... Thing is, I'm not the one that has to trim that up, you know. But I have to have a crew, I have a crew of people, and I got to keep them happy and keep them productive. So,
3: what were you going to say there, Aaron?
6: Oh, god, I'm high. I don't remember.
3: Uh, (laughs) What were you
4: guys just talking about? We're talking about
3: lollipop, and I'm saying how I like to lollipop a little aggressive. I like to go high and build bigger buds.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I used to, man. I used to be crazy about it. Right. Like I would strip them like crazy and I still like to, but like I don't trip anymore if I leave some like nice looking lowers on there, especially on a frostier strain, because I just got this badass little rosin press and I I live in this little trailer, dude, like a 44 foot trailer. And this thing is like the size of my desktop computer and it's a 12 ton press. I think it's from Nug Smasher. Shout out Nug Smasher. Um, They're not cheap, but if you're not trying to build your own, like if you're just trying to get one to smash shit in your house real quick, good option. And like, I've just been cranking out this rosin, dude. That's just like stupid.
3: That's like me with, uh, see, I do uh, alcohol extractions. I got a, a source, uh, well, it's the company's a source. It's called the Eto's machine, but it, it reclaims my alcohol. So it doesn't even, I mean, the alcohol is the most expensive thing when it comes yeah. to alcohol extraction. So when you I do recline... RSO too, yeah. Yeah. So or, I just do that yeah fso as well it, and yeah. uh i do that with all my trim and so like even you know even if i get those larfy buds i'm just throwing them in that in that bag and, and they're gonna go through that because that's gonna that's my best that's my favorite medicine honestly
4: Dude, we're so lucky as cannabis farmers like we can use everything and if we really want to get crazy you can use the roots and some tea and some lotions and stuff
3: i've even ran it twice like like i've i've ran my alcohol extraction and then you know it, then i've filtered out the plant material and then i've taken that plant material and re-soaked it and still i mean you don't get a great return but you still get something so you can still get more it's, it's just insane oh
6: yeah
4: what you flexing I, I... over there brandon
6: oh so um uh jared uh dj short son he gave me a bunch of seeds that i and i'm running still i'm still running the Lumpagoon, the velvet ropes in this particular fino which i wish you guys could get a better picture of
0: the video on Zoom ain't gonna do it justice, but uh how's it smell?
6: Dude, it smells like blueberries. Like mm. it's uh it's kind of like a one note variety. It's blueberries, like very, very berry, but it's very, like, very pronounced, you know. So it's very loud. Uh, but again, it's it's kind of like a one one note. For those who don't know, last
4: really that like, individual note cannabis. Matt, have you said that in the past?
1: What exactly?
4: That you like cannabis that has, like, one particular flavor, not a myriad of terpenes and flavors oh. and stuff. And then check That's not
1: quite what I said. What I said was, in a choice between the two, um, having a lot of small, little, uh, more complex, but generally less pungent or, you know, intense flavor profile or smell profile versus sort of a monotonal but much more pungent profile. I'll go for the latter over the former.
6: Yeah. We're going to be doing uh, solventless RSO, which is a full spectrum. Uh, It's created from uh, rosin. Uh, So we can make, you know, it doesn't taste bad. Like RSO usually tastes really bad. There's no alcohol involved in it. And so it tastes like the variety that it was Can you
4: please expand on that a little bit? Do you use high temperatures or what's going on there? Can you please send me some?
6: It's not my my thing. It's uh, my friend who is going to be doing the sales and branding for Majestic. He actually was the road manager for the Cottonmouth Kings. He's, you know, out here, he's doing sales. This is something that he created. But uh, he's doing a little a uh, 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 project and kind of getting it big. I actually, so one of the things for me about RSO is it tastes really bad, right? And they're like, every, doesn't matter what kind of RSO it is, it just so, it tastes so bad. And this stuff, you, gotta eat it.
3: you can just put it in a capsule.
6: That's true. Um, this is cool because you can medicate with it and it, you know, you just need a little dab
3: that's the same thing though
0: with the capsule like i I got a thing of 300 capsules for like seven bucks they're vegan or whatever i split them in half just like spartan mentioned and i fill up half of the capsule i just did this right before the show i take my cannabis oil and i don't taste it at all i just swallow it with some water and um i mean problem solved there right well if you
6: were like dosing so, uh, like uh somebody for seizures or something like that right and they needed a quick dose of something um you know, it tastes super, super bad. It has that aftertaste. This doesn't taste like. Tastes like, uh, you know, like when you eat an edible like that's been made with wheat, like not butter, but actual wheat. You know what I mean? Has that kind of weedy taste, and uh, but it also will have some of the flavor from the the terpene profile from that variety. So it's in a lot. A little bit goes a long way. That's the good thing. It's so uh, concentrated that just a tiny little like a like one drop like if you were gonna make like a drop out of water with a little water droplet that's about the size that you need for this stuff
7: so it's i'll
0: funny. say this cbd is very effective for uh of helping seizures like especially treve syndrome where or they have up to 100 plus per day and that can actually be applied topically like uh, one of the more popular videos i've seen the young man is having seizures and they apply it uh, through a balm on his feet and within 30 seconds of applying it, his seizures uh, almost immediately stop and then he's able to like speak again. And uh, so there is definitely topical avenues as well to explore. And THCV is another one that I've been told uh, people within our community here have said Jack the Ripper, or no, uh, Jack's Cleaner too, which has THCV helped them with their seizures. So um, not just CBD, but yeah, there's lots of varieties of cannabis that can help with that for sure. It's a little known or a less talked about, but since like a Uh, rest in peace charlotte figge but since her story got out there i think a lot of people have uh, come to be more accepting to the idea of cannabis as medicine specifically cannabis oil
1: oh and just as a follow-up since there's some dead space uh that's why you gotta not let the dead space because then i start talking and i'll talk too much and then you gotta (laughs) be quiet but we were talking about, uh, sort of, um, insect digestion, or at least I was, and I just wanted to bring up that like, you know, tons of organisms, like when people say that plants they get enough sugars or they get healthy enough, they can't have pests. The reason why it doesn't make sense is because these insect groups can, they, they produce enzymes like sucrase and amylase and, uh, glu- glucosidase and uh, various groups of those, um, and invertase and that sort of thing these are enzymes that break down sugars so like they're literally made to break down (laughs) different kinds of sugars though some sugars some carbohydrates and not just sugars but carbohydrates like cellulose um they are toxic or at least they're not digestible but that doesn't mean that the organism can't find a way to um get at the contents like even for us when we eat plants um we don't digest everything, right? So it's kind of the same thing there. There are adaptations to make it work. So, uh, at least if you want to look at it like that.
8: So if we're circling back around to, to
2: old points, I had one that kind of skipped past me about the when we were talking about lollipopping. I lollipop my plants too. I just wanted to, to sort of raise the point that the plant the plant can support the growth of those buds. They don't have to be larf. Um, the, certainly a plant that is fully lit can support more than just the canopy level um, colas, and it can develop good bud in the understory. Um, the buds themselves don't need to get like direct light in order to develop into good quality buds, and that's a common misperception, I think. Larf comes because you have too many budding sites in the understory, more than the plant can support with the amount of light that the canopy is receiving. And when the plant has more budding sites than it can support with the amount of light that it's receiving, it will not prioritize the lower budding sites. It will prioritize the higher budding sites. Um, But as long as you've removed enough of the lower sites that you're not sort of pushing past what the amount of light can support, you can grow good quality bud in the understory. I almost always do have good quality bud coming from the understory, but I, I trim a lot of it out.
6: Yeah, I think that's like, uh, so I look at kind of like a measurement, like there's uh, a certain amount of inches uh, uh, depth wise that I'll be like, okay, this is my cutoff because I feel like anything under this isn't sufficient uh, uh, sufficiently being illuminated, right? And not only that, but, also, when you drop down to a certain uh, PPFD, the plant will not, no longer photosynthesize, but it will still perspire, which means that you basically have a leaf that's utilizing energy and adding humidity into yep. the room. Uh, And you can get rid of that. So
2: that's why you do leaves differently than growth tips or budding sites. And the the reasons to remove leaves are really different than the reasons to remove budding sites. And I I agree with you, Brandon, if you're dealing with humidity management, and I often get into situations, especially in the spring to summer growth, that the humidity is really high. I strip all of the leaves off on the undercarriage if the leaves aren't getting direct light but if the plant can support them i'll leave some budding sites under there again not a lot but some
6: i typically don't i typically don't but again i have a, lar- a lot larger scale as far as like what i'm doing And so it just it's one of those things where it has to be done like it has to be part of the SOP is to like trim all that stuff off because I
2: I get that I just really wanted to make the point that it's the buds themselves don't have to receive the light they don't have to be illuminated in order to be developed well. Um yeah. A lot of people get that
6: idea. You do have to have a good a good enough light that those that it's about penetration, really, too, is what you're talking about because having the app penetrate, right? Some of
0: it is there's green light that can penetrate, but like Doc is saying, if it gets proper PPFD up top, it can translate the energy that it's taking in down to the bottom buds. Here's a perfect example. Yeah, let me say I didn't prune anything above this. This was in shade. I'm gonna post this on my story. I dimmed it down a little bit. But this was the very, very lowest uh, branch on my entire plant, my current grow. And the nug that it produced, it's not going to come through too well there, but it's a beautiful cola. It's like, I would say like toothpick sized uh, stem, which I normally would just trim off. But because the structure of this plant and uh, the way that it laid, it was able to kind of have its weight supported by another branch. And it just plumped up and filled out and the top of the plant was getting enough light and it translated that down to the bottom ranch and it's frosty and it's a beautiful nug. It's there's not any larf right.
7: at all and you yeah, can imagine let me say something in in if, you had,
2: if you had a plant full of that down there they all would have been larfy and weak but you only had a couple of them right and they ended up developing like dense little nugs right
0: the other ones got up to the top of the canopy if i, I kept only like you know the eight or whatever top main colas and a few yeah. little satellite buds but um that was just one of the ones that was like it was literally the very very <laughs> like maybe first or second node and i just never uh we talked about topping earlier my method i guess is i wait till like the fifth or sixth node and i top like whatever it is the fifth or the sixth and then i start low stress training so i like bend my plant over and then i kind of why it out and kind of uh shape it to the space of my yeah tent or whatever grow room. Know,
6: from, from my observations too genetics plays a huge part in it because i feel like there's kind of a yeah. that certain varieties can reach and it's like so i have a, the i-35 that i'm growing right now i had posted i've posted it on my feed recently it stacks really nice and, and the colas are really long and close together. So you can see, but the thing is, you can only have maybe like five or six of those as opposed to something like um, the number 16 limarilla where you could have like 20 tops on it and it'll do the same thing. So I think that genetics are going to play a huge part in how those things stack as well. Too. Like this is what I, I was going just- to do. I have to do different, like a slightly different, uh, on each variety, you know, depending on how they're going to, how they're going to stack up.
7: What did you have to say there, Tom? I was going to say a few things. First off, I definitely grew strains where the low, like when we referred it I thought everybody knew it's killer little pieces of nugs, but it's just too little, you know, those little pieces that get resin all over them, just like the tops do, but they're just too little. And, uh, there are but some plants definitely some strains like the the lower nugs could be hard as a rock like the top and some strains it's like really larfy and just stretched out so i pretty much cut as much as i can without feeling guilty or not but um and the other thing was shit now i forgot I
0: got to throw something on top of what you just said, because you said, what does LARF kind of mean? And my buddy threw one out there. Uh, shout out to my buddy Dave in Ohio. He doesn't have a public page. But he said he thinks it might stand for light and really fluffy. LARF. It could be an acronym. Yeah. That's I don't know know what, I
6: what i was trying to think of the acronym. What light, airy, and really fluffy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Light. Airy, really fluffy, or light and really, but you wouldn't normally say the and, right? So I guess light, airy, light, really airy, and
4: really fluffy is my or light and really that's fl- been around flushing. for a long time.
0: So that might be the we actual... gotta come
4: up with a better R than
2: really, guys. So that's everybody's homework.
0: Redonkulously, there you go. Boom,
2: <laughs> another yeah. adjective, not just a modifier. You know what I mean? Like, what's an R word that large is. <laughs>
7: My buddy leaves them all on there so we can collect them and, and do a water hash run with it because that's that like loft lets the water in there and knock the heads off so they don't get all trapped inside.
0: Yeah, I was gonna to say sometimes be honest, honest. To be
7: honest, I like to smoke some
6: I like to smoke plant lowers better than um I do or like mid mid buds. Uh they seem to hold the most uh terpenes in oh, my in my
7: uh, in my experience. Go ahead, Tal. Well, I was going to ask everyone. So, and the other part of the equation is, so what I, what I always thought as well, and I think it's true, because I've read this a long ass time ago in, uh, in high times once, where you're cutting off all the lowers. So, the plant still has the energy that it initially had, and now it's just going to pump that all up to the top. So, let's say there was 20 grams of lowers you cut off. It'll be 20 grams on the top instead of the bottom, but it would all still not lose your weight. Is that true? What do you guys think? I haven't heard any studies I find, that support that.
3: I find that I to be. Seen I haven't
7: but that is kind of the
6: idea—is like translocation of energy, right? We're like saying, directly
4: hey, equal out like 20 grams down there equals 20 I mean, grams up here." Again, that would have to be tested. What do you think, Spartan?
3: Yeah. So I there. find I find that I 100% can tell you that in my anecdotal evidence that when I take off the larf from the bottom. The tops gain, the weight that I take off, but but not 100%. So I, I might lose 10% yield, but I'm gaining all A buds. I don't have C buds. And you
4: don't have to trim garbage like for two hours a day.
3: Exactly. Like, as yeah. frosty as they are, they can be just as frosty at the top. All these reasons for keeping it, you're not selling me. You know, there you uh, go
2: yeah I my, agree my agree. only reason i just I come back to this is the plant can support more than just the canopy budding oh, sites
3: you're misunderstanding what i'm saying because i i've run my plants for years man and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, i've taken different levels off i found that spot you know what i mean i found yeah. that spot to what it will support and that's where I take them off because I just don't anything smaller than my thumbnail. You know, but, I don't want anything like that. I'm, See, I'm, not not trying to to
2: I'm just trying to like share knowledge with other people so they can make their own kind of management decisions. I, I totally trust you got yours. Well, let me
4: share another perspective because you guys grow with lights. I grow with the sun. And I mean, I'm sorry, but the plant evolved with the sun. And I can tell you sure as shit. If I leave all those bottoms on there, there's going to be a bunch of larfy garbage down there, and that's the sun, dude—the one who invented this shit. You run lights absolutely. too, though. Absolutely. Don't, Don't pretend, pretend. The,
2: the plant aired. will produce more budding sites than it can develop if it's left to its own devices. I mean, Air. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that flower
1: material—flower material is not even for us to smoke. There okay, you so go. this is we my. We're talking about nature. This, this just is want this talk is about nature and yeah. where it all comes from. These this flowers are even for us originally they're, for, they're so. for
3: me they they farm me so they're for me but uh this is my theory on it okay this is my uh my plant here here's here's spartan grown's plant theory on, on this so a plant forms right you know as it grows it forms in the most efficient way or it's trying to that's what it's trying to do um but what was efficient when it was you know six inches tall is no longer efficient when it's eight feet tall so it's okay to remove that stuff that once was efficient it you know these people that have the mantra that no, and you know, you don't want to take anything off. They're all solar. No, there's, there's points. I mean, it's it's doing a good job of being efficient, but you know, as it grows and changes, is you know, just like everything, you know, it's no longer going to be the same. So you
4: sound like a person yeah, who I mean, is, the is familiar thing with recovery. Here. Like a lot of times, people have to go through this shit, right? Where we shed the things that didn't don't serve us anymore. As someone has PTSD, I I go through that and i i concur dude that's i like that philosophy right there no but science either, yep. just.
0: Philosophy. i wanted to add on to your point Aaron. though with you're using the sun which is probably the world's most powerful grow light for the entire planet um but uh, even with that i think you do have some light assist on your green I, house, do. If I do i do correctly. and i
4: still get larf. i still so, get larf. yeah with
0: that being said i think uh what spartan was talking about this actually goes way back to some of the episodes that unfortunately have not been uh I think they were either removed or something happened with the earlier episodes of the cheap home grow. But one of the first ones, me and doc, uh, Dr. MJ went a little bit back and forth about like, it was kind of like the defoliation and similar to the lollipopping or the lowers. And um, I'm more just sort of on the lollipopping side. Now I don't do a heavy defoliation, but I do believe that sort of like what you're all describing in your anecdotal experience of removing some of that lower growth uh, can increase the higher growth and it might not be a one-to-one ratio. But most people, like Spartan was talking about, want those tops and the top buds sell for a little bit more. They uh, tend to look a little, a little bit better. So a lot of people are willing to make that sacrifice. But on top of that, from the IPM perspective, taking off the lower growth uh, gets rid of some of the bugs, helps out a little bit with the airflow. So there's a whole bunch of different benefits to it. But I There's think, that um, flip
2: side of that, Jack. What I keep thinking about is if you concentrate all the growth in the top colas, you have a greater chance of getting bud rot.
0: That's true. If you don't uh, top enough times to get your buds to, I try to get mine to the point where you're not getting those huge Coke bottles. Like Spartan says, you see these outdoor growers grow these giant single leading dominant top cola and then 30 or 40 or 80% of it goes to bud rot. So it's like, fuck, maybe they should have just topped it more times and had smaller buds, but it um, doesn't
4: have
6: to do to prevent botrytis. Uh, Here's a little pro tip. It's just if you run your temperature and your humidity is really high and they stay that way, you're straight. I mean, dude, my Amen, are like dude. 84, 85 dude. And my, my RH is running a lot of times it's running at like 78,
4: but let me give you another little bonus tip for that. Um, it's a good idea to ventilate your humidity for 15 minutes while your lights are going off or while you're pulling tarp or whatever your, your photo period end is. It's a good idea to ventilate mm-hmm. that humidity. Cause that's, that's when
6: you're, yeah, I don't, so i'm not going to jump into the so, side. so either. what happens that's is when your the BPD, happens for sure can, your vpd can go out of range like if your lights quickly go off in that room can uh, we're talking about outdoor really quickly, guys quickly then
0: just to clarify oh, same, but, but thing,
6: light depth is outdoor. it's not thing, it's not really the light same thing outdoor. because outdoor yeah, you don't have any control because when i was pulling tarps man we walked in there in the morning dude those things were so humid i mean yeah i mean we were doing old school tarp panda plastic right and go the the condensation on the inside of those tarps dude they were wet bro i mean it was like almost raining in there it was so wet
0: and i agree and that still works to this day but you got to make sure you're running the right cultivars because if you're running an afghan that's prone to bortritis then it's gonna get bud rot i mean i just think that there's you have to be selective and smart about how you're doing it and outdoor like spartan was talking about like i was talking about there is no regulation you can't turn off your lights you can't vent unless you're making a greenhouse run i'm talking about true outdoor full sun full season but you a can run fans right across, right across I'm
4: your canopy, that. bro. I'm I've been doing That's that not for outdoors, years, bro. Bro. That's, That's a modified. What do you mean it's not outdoor? You can put your plants outdoor. You don't need a greenhouse. All you need is a fan right next to your canopy. You can put a or stake in the ground and hang some fan.
0: And then I mean, when it rains, I guess you have electrical hazards. Where I, no, you I, I'm don't. Because like people, all these plugs
4: are, are protected, man. Or, or you can put like a little piece of paper, like a little piece of wood over it. I've been doing this shit for years, man. I've never I'm had am just describing a different thing there. than
0: you're describing. I'm describing somebody who's growing with nature and not using electricity, which is a lot of people that are growing outdoor. Okay, and I was just enough. trying to make the point that if you're going to have a single top bud versus 15 tops that you topped, you're going to have yeah. a lot lower likelihood of getting portritis. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. the only oh, point that I was yeah. trying to make at all. So, sorry i, we got I, into this big, I just long love thing. to jump down people's throats you about, know me jack No, I, I get you guys i was just trying to go where with martin was talking about uh if you do top enough i think you limit that problem greatly and even going back to the point i was trying to initially make was um, when you remove stuff off the lower part of the plant i think sort of like with uh light like we were talking about way back in the early days where the episodes have been removed where i was talking about defoliation where i think uh the plant takes in so much light right and if you start taking off leaves then you know it's only has so much energy that it can redistribute throughout the plant. So one of the things I thought with defoliation or even pruning is, once you start removing any amount, then that same amount of light is coming in, but it has less plant to share the light with. So maybe the remaining plant has more vigorous growth, even if it has a smaller yield at the end of the
4: day. I would agree
3: with everything they you said. They often
0: pray, for example, after Like another, the next day, they're another,
3: like, boom. Another tip that people should be doing right now on your outdoor. Actually, it's well, even now. <laughs> is um defoliation i think is a must outdoor i think it's a must outdoor you get those fucking fan leaves off because when you defoliate a fan leaf they come back smaller when they come back smaller they're not blocking as much space so when you're you should be well into flower right now so get some fan get all those the biggest fan leaves of every every plant Starting yeah, with I one plant. Martin,
6: and, are you are you uh, trimming up? Are you pruning up all skirts on your outdoors? I mean, I I did. I went out yes. there all my stuff, and I pruned it up just like I would do my indoor.
3: I do. Um, on the outdoor, I always did that just to, for ease of, of being able to water and get down underneath it. You know what I mean? And I actually, I go to the extreme outdoor. I do more so than I do indoor as far as I'll do probably a foot to two feet up on plants that I'm expecting to be six foot tall. But then I go in the middles and I call, do what I call cleaning yeah. out the middles. Yep. I and do, so I, I, I strip every probably yeah. if you follow the main branch up and, and you yep. every branch that comes off, take at least the first two nodes off, maybe more and uh, do that all the way up. So the whole inside is hollow. You will thank yourself if you do that. Anybody wants a good example of what this looks like? Because
6: you can take each individual like branch that's coming off the main stick, and then you can find where it zigzags, right? Top and just chop, 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 chop all the way up and go to the next one. That's what I'm doing. I'm cleaning them all up and then just because when they start to go flower, do they stretch so much uh, outdoors? They they get really, really big.
4: And dude, in terms of I know Matt has something to say about IPM with this thinning, because I'll tell you what, man, when I get russet mites. First thing I do is strip those inners because they love to work their way up to the top. So, inners go first. Matt, talk about stripping.
1: Well, I don't recommend it right now because of COVID. <laughs> and honestly, I feel as though that like people who go to such places should probably just wait until the end of COVID.
3: Have you not thought have you not <laughs> heard of the drive-through? Have you not heard dad. of the drive-through? They've got the drive-through now. I took the I was, this took a California. long turn
1: hard, man.
4: All right. That should um, set up in Cali. Defoliating. That, what do, do you do think, think about that. defoliating? IPM.
1: Yeah, so right. I agree with you, Aaron, that um you know, there is a context where that makes the most sense, right? Because the the <laughs> the herbivores need plant material to feed on. So if you remove that plant material, like if you already have them aphids, russet mites, something like this, spider mites, thrips, and you notice that like maybe one plant or a few plants has kind of like a dense colony, then you can just kind of, you know, uh, take those off of the plant physically, put them in a bag, tie it up, seal it, put it away, and you've already reduced the population quite a bit without even having to apply a product or very much labor, especially in a cheap home grow um, situation where you are growing tons of plants but only a few. Uh, but also, like you say, you're you're denying them uh, space to grow on. Essentially, you're you're denying them a, a an amount of surface area. And if everything's really bushy, it can also be hard to crop scout and that sort of a thing too. And um, I've been working with with a lot of uh, hemp growers lately, and that's a huge issue for them when they're crop scouting because they've got these large bushy plants. And um, either they're taking cuttings to make more plants, or they are um, just growing the plants out uh, in production, and it, it just becomes very laborious and difficult. So for some people, that management technique makes sense both even both in a commercial and in a residential setting.
0: So I wanted to uh, take a second to say Noah the Grower is about to jump in here in just a second, but for anybody who wants to see sort of what Spartan and uh, the rest of the crew has been describing, The Mendo Dope Boys on YouTube have a really great YouTube channel where they're doing the Green Dope Project this year, where they have these big giant plants. One, they're trying to grow the tallest plant in the world, which I think is really a fun and interesting project. They're just growing it straight up with like a bunch of cages, but all their traditional plants. And for those who don't know, these guys live in uh, Mendocino, the Mendo Dope Boys, and they grow these giant outdoor plants and they do exactly what Spartan's talking about, where they have these cages around the plants and basically the inside is like a naked stem all the way to the inner. They're just picking off all the lower stuff and letting it build up those outer buds. And they have year after year after year been successful with large plants and, and getting successful harvests to market. So I think that's uh, definitely something to be learned from people who are able to do it year after year outside and uh, reference something that Matthew and I both were on uh, the future cannabis project talking about like companion planting. They have uh, done a really good job of just year after year, having different pollinating plants all around their gardens. They have a kind of big, sprawling, open uh, outdoor garden, and they have tons of bees and uh, different uh, beneficial insects and things that are attracted naturally to local plants. So I think that there's a lot of stuff that can be learned from uh, some of the legacy growers out here in California. Um, One of the things we talked about earlier was how many people were in the black black market. It was estimated that there was 50,000 growers before Prop 64 and only 5,000 of them. We uh, were actually able to go through the permitting and application process, and even less of them in that 5,000 actually got up and running. So you went from like 50,000 to a few thousand. So you could probably see why we had some of the issues we were talking about a little bit earlier with uh, prices and over or under saturation of certain markets. So it's a really interesting state out here.
5: Does anybody uh, know the current, the current, the actual current world record for the tallest pot plant?
0: I don't. Plants? I've seen photos and videos of plants that are in the 20 to 30 foot tall range, but they were like fully butted out. There's a video famously of this one guy shaking. I think it's on uh, uh, Um, Katsu Bluebird reposted the video. But Sticky it's...
4: Fields, was it? I think it's Sticky Fields.
0: Sticky Fields had a whole thing called the Sticky Shake Challenge where they had a bunch yeah. of people shaking giant ass plants. But the one video, the biggest one I've ever seen is on Katsu Bluebird's page, but it's not his actual video. He reposted it. And I mean, I've never seen another plant that even compared this thing was absolutely stupid massive i'll actually try and find it uh while you guys chat amongst yourselves on my thing and i could maybe do a screen share because it's uh worth showing for sure
6: yeah i saw an australian variety an australian land race variety that was like 30 feet tall
0: mulumbimbi madness
6: but yeah was that what is it how is it pronounced
0: mulumbimbi madness
6: that's the one so i have I have that crossed into Gelato 33. It's called Aussie Lotto. And this thing, dude, it makes these spears that are like two feet long.
5: Malawi Gold's like that. It's just like a straight stick of bud. (laughs)
6: Dude, but it's crazy, right? Because it makes tops like this, like multiple tops. And the thing is, they're not like the sativa type where they're like really airy and they're like solid, like gelato right so I'm running some of that right now I'm super excited about it what's
5: the best thing that you that you've uh, that you've ran through uh, or what's your favorite thing that you've been running through at your facility right now uh, let's
6: see. so dude out of that pheno hunt I took I got a bunch of moms and dude, there's so much good stuff in there man it's so hard to, to pick just one. Um, the death breath that I created, the limarilla times uh clone only 1990s purple Kush grape God, that one is just going to be so popular because it has such a pungent uh, nose to it. But the thing that's really unique is that nose translates over to the flavor of the smoke. And so you can smoke a joint and it'll taste like that the whole way through. Um, and so that is going to be something that I think is going to be really uh really popular um the gas that i got the pheno that i selected from a pack of gas from capulator uh that there's some that's like ridiculous terpenes like terpenes that i get off of uh the lime like that intense but different but a different profile and then um there's some other stuff too that are just beasts uh my friend uh uh, tier one farms on instagram he did some uh z kittles uh mac cross and then he did a i-95 purple nigerian mac cross that i'm running right now and the i the i-35 which is the mac times uh you know i-95 silver nigerian that's on my feed right now on my ig i just posted dude and the they're they just stack dude it's like day 31 and these things look like most people's flowers like when they're ready to harvest and i and i go these things go like 75 days so i'm super super pumped uh because i have a bunch of that stuff in all my rooms right now and everything's really really dialed in i'm i'm so i'm so excited it's like a really big relief knowing that uh i know exactly how how everything like how everything should be like it took me a couple months to have everything completely dialed in um and now i'm at a point where i'm able to do all of the agronomy stuff which so is i'm like... sharing my
0: screen right now i don't know if you guys can see this plant
6: oh, oh yeah, yeah oh dude that's huge
0: and i mean that's a video there's no photoshop with that that's a, yeah. a real cannabis plant
6: damn
4: that's beautiful <laughs>
0: absolutely crazy right it's all it trellised out. so
3: happy for some reason. I wonder how long i wonder how long it was able to grow like if it was i did some research they grew it that indoor that Sure.
0: You massively veg it inside that's from like the there's season there's
3: before. No I see. Dude. That's cool, and you could partial harvest it. Yeah, you could do put it in like thirds or fourths to make sure the bottom's finished. That would be cool. I'm gonna oh, I'm, I'm gonna
5: like there. purposely build a tall shed so I can try and set the
6: record.
0: <laughs> Mendo yeah. dope's going for it right now. I, I found one other picture. Uh, that's not it. They're there's another through? one a little there's further up insane. on the
6: stage. Did you get that one of the Australian? I forget whose page, dude. My page got lost, so I lost a lot of followers, and I can't remember all of them. You know.
7: I think I have some tall ones hidden somewhere. I'll try and hunt some down.
5: I think that Highland Tire would be a good a good choice, man. Those things get so tall.
6: My
7: plants are at fence level, uh, and I just like I'll just break them. You know, <laughs> <Bend> them <laughs> my over. buddy. My buddy brought me back seeds from Ghana. And he legit went to Ghana, his wife, he has a wife, but he went to Ghana and uh, he brought me back these seeds and I put them in, within like a week, they were through the roof. They were over seven feet, they were over seven feet tall in a week and it was just ridiculous. I couldn't even do, couldn't do anything.
5: Yeah, I flowered that Highland tie at like two feet or something like that. I, I put it on 12 and 12 when it was two feet tall and it. It's it's stretched times eight. It got to like something stupid, man. It smashed into the the ceiling, and then I put the pot on its side, and then it hit the ceiling again. And then I put the pot on the other
6: side. Uh, some of that <sighs> stuff. So there. Hilarious. That stuff Kyle, there is crazy. Kyle, if you what up, want Noah, something sorry, really I to good to breed you. with, that's a biomass producer. Is that uh, that skunk one super skunk from AK?
3: Look at the dude with a chainsaw. I love that shit, man.
0: Yeah, so wow. this is just another one I found on his page, but I wanted to take a second to uh, go ahead and introduce Noah the grower. He got here late, but uh, always welcome on this panel.
8: Hey, sorry about that. Yeah, I was out camping. How's it going, everybody? Some pretty interesting talk there about some big-ass plants. Uh, how's it going, in grower nation, guys?
0: We're doing well, man. We're, uh, like I said, just sort of showing off some of these massive, photos kind of giving an idea these are actually budded out the mendo dope one is still in veg right now and, and they're growing at just a single top leader with like a very skinny uh, cage around it so they're gonna i think maybe get a, a higher it won't be as impressive of this plant when it's finished budding but i do think they may have a some sort of tie i think they said a crazy sativa something that grows super super tall even when they don't grow at that method so it's fun to see some people that have the ability to uh, grow out in public going for these little challenges i think Uh, So I just wanted to show off some of those things.
6: I want to do that so bad. Maybe next, maybe next year. Uh
0: The one of the most fun experiences for me was the first time I ever grew outdoors here in California. Um, We started a seed in my dorm room. Me and my roommate, we got some soil from the, you know, potting soil, like the flower beds just around the dormitories. My roommate had a seed that he pulled from a bag and he put it in a Starbucks cup and we sprouted that in the windowsill like the last month we were there. So it got like a few nodes. We moved out to an apartment complex and we planted it in the side yard because so we were like the very, very last unit on the first floor. And uh, it grew and grew. We called it sweet skunk. It wasn't actually sweet skunk, but it smelled kind of sweet and skunky. And uh, I'll be damned if that thing didn't shoot up to like six, seven feet just in uh, some shitty soil, giving it some Brita water to filter out the chlorine or chloramine or whatever. And we got it to harvest. Uh, battled some spider mites a little bit and some worms, but man, it uh, showed me California. You can grow some really incredible cannabis outdoors here. Uh, I feel very, very fortunate for anybody who is able to do it out here uh, because many Gang, places you like had to Canada battle camps.
8: spider mites your very first time, man. That's some gangster It, it wasn't stuff my right first there. time growing
0: ever, but just outdoors uh, here in California. Oh, oh, okay. In the traditional market, I guess, in Cleveland, indoors, uh, but more like trap house, grow house, like DWC, a bunch of HBS lights and stuff like that.
5: New England's a little more limited (laughs) it gets gets fucking cold up here early
0: well and the most limiting thing I think for most people is the end of the season comes hard it comes fast and it's nasty as hell it it rains it sleets it hails it snows and all those things bring bud rot and botrytis and mold and it can kill your plant at the end of the year if you aren't careful you just start like one weekend you're away and it starts snowing or hailing and it can kill your plants so a lot of places have that issue
6: yeah, like Oklahoma, we just had you know rain out of the blue. It's like, you know ninety or ninety-five degrees sun, and then all of a sudden, just it thunder, it's thundering and it's pouring rain. It's like whoa, that came out of nowhere. If you yeah, can- right. It's still, it's still one part of the sky is sunny. <laughs> the other part's um, raining. I think next year I'm going to. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get some autos going in my tent, and I'm going to breed some autos so that way. For the 10 acres on the farm that's already fertigated, we're going to just run autos because I think it's the only way that we can successfully uh, harvest uh, weed out here, like outdoors in Oklahoma. And we're not going to put flour on the market. We're just going to take all of it and then use it for, you know, other product lines like like the solventless, like maybe the solventless or maybe uh, like uh, concentrates or edibles or, you know processable material
8: that's a good uh subject right there brandon uh I, i'm actually just starting to dip my toes in the auto market and the auto little field there what kind of autos besides the badass mandler and genetic stuff what do you guys like for auto stuff because i'm kind of new to all that Well, see I'm i am of, uh, i am too
6: i don't i don't know too much about autos but i actually that's i talked to full duplex uh about getting some seed and then uh Surprisingly, you know, somebody that listens to the show that also wanted to buy some bokashi, they were like, you know, they live in Oklahoma, so they came by, uh, hooked them up with a Gorilla Glue co- clone, and some bokashi, and uh, they gave me a bunch of seeds and they gave me some packs of some autoflower seeds that are regular seeds. So I figured, They're pretty hey, legit. Who? uh,
3: sequence is growing those right now in his uh, in his uh, greenhouse and uh, the anvil specifically is super super dark purple beautiful oh, yeah. plant um and uh, looks like it's going to be pretty good pretty damn good yield for for autoflowers, man so i don't know yeah.
0: he's a hell of a breeder I, I gotta shout out mandalorian genetics as well i'm going to be featuring the anvil in my second book 50 strains of purple so look out for that because the first book's 50 strains of green i'm going to be highlighting stuff that finishes green but the second one's 50 strands purple and i already reached out to him and he gave me all the information it's going to be the one of the only autoflowers actually featured in the book
6: i'm so, like i'm like kind one, of stuck on beautiful. what i could do for my like pheno hunt though because i have a bunch of seeds that i've been collecting right that have been gifted to me but i'm like man i i'm not sure like what i should do because there's so much good stuff out there and i'm almost wondering if i should just go and get like the great the you know the latest greatest hype because i mean i know that whatever i'm gonna grow i'm gonna grow it really well but it's like one of those things what do i do you know do i just go and continue uh searching through just random stuff or should i go get that name brand stuff so it can be like marketed and you know that's you know what do you do in those types of situations what would you guys do
0: i think your brand is uh you guys have a bunch of different flavors that other people don't so like you're not going to be hunting for the hot thing which is usually a cut not a seed So like with like the Mac, for example, this year, last year, it was like Mac one, who's got the Mac one cut or like GMO. Those are cuts. Uh, You can run those. You'll probably do them very well and people will buy it. But what you're doing, running seeds and getting your own varieties and uh, granted, it's more expensive on testing and you have to do the pheno hunts and things like that. but Once you find a stellar variety or two or three or five, uh, you can run those and crush it and be known for that. Something that no one else really has like lime orilla as one example, Uh, something you bred yourself. Well, I, have I want a, to go back to auto for just a second. Um, I, I need to give a shout out to Humboldt Seeds. Uh, I will admit I have some bias because I was a tester for them. I never tested any of their auto flowers. My buddy in, uh, I'll, I'm not going to say where he's from, but he grew out their Bubba Kush auto and their OG Kush auto. And he gave me samples and I could not tell it was an auto flower. It smoked just like photo period Bubba and just like photo period OG Kush. And I'm out here in California where there's a bunch of OG Kush and a bunch of Bubba growers that grow that shit really well. And I'm, I'd consider myself sort of an OG snob specifically. So for their auto to do well, Humboldt Seeds, um, it was a very, very good looking plant. smelled good, yielded well. But Mephisto's and Night Owl Seeds are two other uh, very well-known auto flower seed producers. But yeah, uh, also Mandalorian, who's uh, formerly been on the Breeders Collective here with us, and they've been a panel member here. So shout out to them.
8: Yeah, he, uh, he hooked me up with some seeds. Um, I got the recommendation from you, actually, so that was good enough for me. I He called me up. He's been really legit. I got an anvil and a, um, an alf outside and um, just kind of experimenting with it. It looks legit, like like uh, uh, they, Spartan said, that the anvil is already heck of purple. So it is, it is interesting, and I'm excited to run it and experiment with it.
0: The anvil or the elf, I should say, is an F5. So he's put in some work over there. And I know everyone says out of flowers, you can do generations faster, and that is true. But uh, it is still impressive. I think that breeders are still putting in the work and going down uh, the line generation breeding, uh, getting more stable genetics like that. So I think that elf should be pretty stable from
3: uh, what he's put in and other stuff you see other people growing of it. He won the, somebody won a cup uh, with one of his strains. It was uh, it's like two names. I can't think of the name of it. Uh... This is new at Bobby's Widow. Bobby's Widow. Yep. It was Bobby's Widow. They want to with that. So it's, it's nothing to.
0: It's in shops up there in uh, Washington or wherever he's from. Uh, they sell like concentrate of a, a few different of his strains he's posted in our chat. He's like, hey, guys, check this out. And it's like Bobby's Widow, like live resin. Brandon, uh, it's a little small. I'm going to spotlight you. But then uh, can you talk us through what you're showing as far as the seed packs go?
6: Yeah. Uh, so check this out. You were just talking about, so about Seed Company and I was going through like a bunch of my seeds that i was else. actually
0: talking about humboldt seed organization they are very confusing uh similar names hso and hsc mm-hmm. i love hsc also they have the pineapple upside down cake and the um, yeah. all gas og that i love but the yeah, other they're, they're, they're both great
6: so i have uh some pie uh i think magic melon times pineapple upside down cake uh, i have a bunch of crosses from humboldt seed company that my friend made because he's a seed tester for him and he was like oh well i'm keeping this male keeping this male hitting this with this he gave me a bunch of stuff and i was like i think that you know from what i've seen the exotic genetic mics and the humboldt seed company are both uh uh producing really good um, genetics and then this stuff right here from uh my name is earl earl scout genetics his dos funk that he created is really really nice it's gassy it's like sweet and cheesy um and so i'm interested to run some of his other some of his gear and then uh i have a bunch of masonic stuff that he sent me like months ago like the thing about the masonic stuff is his uh his mail he used doesn't produce herms because i've run uh some of his stuff and i've never i haven't i had no problems whatsoever um and then he's just basically crossing it with everything modern. So if it's modern, from subcool, you know to sea junkie, gomer, I mean, it's kind of like the cheap the cheap way to get modern genetics, I guess, because you never know what you're gonna get to find. So I was thinking about running some of that stuff too, but i'm not I'm not one hundred percent sure exactly what I'm gonna do yet.
0: He makes funny memes uh, after seeing his garden. I personally wouldn't have grown his genetics because I just don't know uh, the legitimacy of how well he's tracking his stuff. He has so many plants. His garden I'm is so disorganized. I'm with you,
4: Jack. I'm with you, dude. It's, I saw, uh, I was like, his, why is this, this funny? What's but happening his, here? How is he so popular? And then I was like, Oh, memes. Got it.
0: He got really hot on memes, uh, but he did have at one time like a really crazy garden in the middle of Compton, Los Angeles, which like, I was kind of wondering how he never got uh people coming after him because his plants would grow up and over the fence and they were gigantic and he would just have like one male like Brandon was saying hit a whole bunch of different stuff and um, that t- to me implies that there's not a whole lot of work being done as far as testing each one of those lines so oh, you yeah. are all testers and you're paying to be a tester but he's funny he's a dad so I mean I don't want to take like food out of his kid's mouth by yeah no uh, disrespect not for sure buy seeds; they're affordable and a lot of people like Brandon have grown them and, and found really good stuff if he does anything feminized though i'd heard some other people um that had grown some of his stuff in the past reported to me that they had hermes and got blocked so but that can happen with any any breeder i will put that out there
1: yeah every no everyone knows hey, that I'll
6: compt- tell you what, like if i have if i make a variety i'll tell you if i get like i won't even i won't use something that herms but if i get something that's getting like bananas at week nine or ten like right before the cut um it's usually I'll, I'll say something but that's not usually an issue because they usually don't like break open and pollinate anything as long but as you're not I, running I, it, them in really, a room with a
4: bunch of other like longer yeah, running genetics
0: or like a uh, perpetual like yeah. spartan likes to do where he sure, has I different know. stages of flower so that would be well, an I issue so trans- it's definitely something trans- you should know it. on your packs as a, a breeder if you're going to be selling or trading seeds to people you should let them know that kind of thing because that can really ruin somebody's experience growing um, I think more breeders should be honest and open. I want to shout out the American one because you made a post, you're a breeder yourself. And he you said, has anybody with any of my lines had any Herms? And I looked through that. I don't think anybody said that they did, but, uh, and I've only seen people get fire out of your gear. So what was the result of that? Did anybody end up?
7: Uh, yeah, so far, nobody. And um, yeah, I've gone through so many strains and if there's a Herm, I don't use it. But like Brandon Russ was saying You get that 10 week thing. It's a nanner coming out. It's like, it's not really even a male flower. It's, it really is a banana stuck in a bud. I mean, I had one, I had two strains that I kept that did that, but it was just so late and there was no room for it to open, but I guess there is a danger. There is a risk. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm talking about too. I'm not talking about ones that are just
6: throwing them all over. I'm talking about things that are like, Oh hey, very tip Something
7: yellow. You could see it's like yeah, I think a lot of yellow. stuff does
6: that late, late but,
0: as a survival mechanism. And I think a lot of breeders do keep those. But uh but the that's stuff why it, like, I have not on...
7: made more seeds of any kind because if it ha- if her herms at all, either way, male or female, I just all I, think, of them. I don't want to deal with
4: it. I think hermaphroditing has a lot to do with the light schedule in my experience. And just I'm I'll just sure say someone this, like force it. Like you could have a strain that if you grow it indoors it's going to grow throw a bunch of herms because you're running 12 hours of light like every day to the end of the cycle whereas in nature maybe it's going to be at nine hours of light by the time it finishes and so it can't handle all that light and it's throwing off all these auto it's trying to auto pollinate to prevent you know
7: not trying to survive very
0: real example he grew out a a land race thai indoor that he was a little you know upset as anybody is when they get herms Uh, but the grower or the breeder that sold it to him was like well hey you're growing this thing that's been grown nothing but outdoor its entire life and you're trying to force it indoors under an artificial light under a certain light schedule and in thai in thailand and in many other places uh where the crazy sativas grow it's pretty much 1212 all year round it's like that in hawaii it's like that in Colombia. it's like that in um i think in vietnam and a few of these places so a lot of those plants they literally will veg in 1212 and once they get big enough then they start to flower on their own regard so like, and and matthews mentioned the haplogroups that were uh, found in china so there's definitely some research behind this and uh I think where the origin of the plant comes from definitely is a big indication on what may or may not make it herm. Kyle's uh I don't know if I want to share all of his secret sauce, but he's been generous enough to share with us many things that will make it herm, like too hot, too cold. I mean, some of these are obvious, but light leaks during the dark period, root bind, uh, overfeeding, underfeeding, you know, things like that. All of those can be something that leads a cannabis plant to cause a hermaphrodite. One thing I wanted to say because I'm not a very uh, scientific term uh, person, I have to like read them like seven or ten times to memorize it, and I always fuck up things like monicious versus dioecious, and I might even be mispronouncing it, but somebody on one show said the word uh, ecious, like the second half of the word, means home, and that put it pretty clear for me, because I know mono is one, and di is two, in this case. So mono means both sexes are in one home. So if it's monicious, it carries the male and the female plant on the same plant they both live in the same home where dioecious they're on separate so like and ideally a cannabis plant would be dioecious where you have female being 100 percent female which is separate from 100 percent male but we've all seen plants that can be intersex where it produces both on that same plant so just an easy way to remember it for anybody out there who's like me who uh <laughs> it's like which one is which and it's same with like a cb1 cb2 receptor I'm always like which one is the thc which one's the cbd so for me i think cb1 cb fun because it has thc and thc is what gets you high and i think that makes a lot of people have fun and uh i don't know cb2 like feeling blue if you have like anxiety or something cbd so just a uh, quick references for people to remember that kind of stuff because in conversations i think it's nice to be able to reference the science accurately and uh sound like you know what you're talking about a little bit at least to Wonderful help inform the rest of the
1: community. I mean terminology is like that I think the I think the oikos if it's pronounced that way anyway is that uh, um, it's Greek the ichus, that's where the ichus comes from and it's the same one that's the eco for economy and ecology I think too the home basically um, if I'm not misquoting, this, no, might be my Jordan, this might be my Jordan Peterson moment here, but yeah.
2: <laughs> I think you're not right. I'm no, sure that's
1: it. the etymology of economics, but I, No, eco, the eco in the word economics.
2: Yeah, it comes from oikonomia, a Greek word. Um, isn't that
1: oiko? But isn't the oiko for it home? M- might
2: be. Um, yeah, they might still be related. But yeah, I know that that's the original or the origin of the our term economic. And it's
1: the same for, and I think it's the same for ecology and the, e- like, re- like yeah, I, yeah it, that would actually make sense the more I think about this. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's why thrips is, got that S at the end, because it's Greek and not Latin. So that's why it's a thrips and multiple thrips. That's Greek for you, I guess. Yep.
0: Well, this is getting very semantic, but uh, I was just going to throw it out to Spartan Grown over there. You've been quiet for a little bit, and I know you got to get going here in a couple minutes, but I'm not booting you out the door by any means. Is there uh, anything interesting and uh, that you'd like to talk about, or is there any topics that we brought up earlier that you'd like to go back to and uh, maybe finish up? Um,
3: no, I've kind of just zoned out a little bit, but uh, I do want to mention I did uh, pop some very special seeds that I got in the mail. Uh, so I put, put down four seeds um, that our very own Jack Greenstock bred himself and um, I peeked at him earlier It hasn't even been 24 hours yet well it is now but uh, I've already seen two of them coming out of the root riot cube so uh, they're jumping right out of their shells so should be a cool run now I just got to sex them out I popped four so we'll see we'll see you know it might be who knows what the odds are going to be but I should have at least two to go into flower and we'll see what happens
0: I wish you the best of luck. I will say somebody told me they got their fastest uh, tails ever at 17 hours and they had like 100% germination. They're like, I never even normally check this soon, but something just like told them to open up the paper towel. They're like, oh, they're ready to plant. So uh, I'm, I'm happy everybody's gotten 100% germ so far. I hope the uh, you know thing continues on with you. But if not, that's part of uh, testing. I always love to get the germination rates and feedback and stuff like that. But um, Yeah, and
3: I didn't baby them. I mean, I just... Got some wet root riot cubes and I just throw them in the holes. I don't even fuck around with trying to orient them in any way. I just put them in there and let them do their thing. And they they jumped right out. So I'm happy. I got a shout
0: out Vegan Doja because I got the material uh, that I bred with from him. He's a North Cal breeder. He put a decade in up there in the greenhouse. I just did an initial cross. So I'm I'm furthering his work and I, I have a direction I want to take it in. But he put in that initial work. And the reason I actually chose his stuff to work with, I've grown uh, Humboldt Seeds. I've grown Subcool and a few other large breeders. I really liked their work, nothing against them. But uh, when I thought, you know, he gifted me some seeds, I was like, you know what, I'll try him. He's kind of relatively no name guy on Instagram, but uh, he was really nice and we had a good connection. Grew his stuff out and it ended up being the largest, yielding, most potent, frostiest stuff I'd ever grown. I was like, holy shit, like a small scale, like lesser known guy can actually, you know, not only keep up with, um, rest in peace, Subcool, but I grew side by side with Subcool, Chernobyl, one of my favorite strains. And I got the pheno I was looking for, the Lime slurpy pheno, and I loved it. But the spiked punch that I grew next to it was like double or triple the size. It was so loud. It like dominated it in the room and it just looked amazing. And everyone still asks me about it to this day. I'm like, it was one of my favorite things I've ever grown. I still have seeds of it. So shout out to Vegan Doja or Doja DNA is his uh, breeder account on Instagram, because even if you're not the biggest, most well-known person, uh, you can put in time out there like he did in uh, the hill up in, uh, he's a Del Norte breeder. It's like almost at the border of uh, California and Oregon, but uh, yeah, shout out to him. And he's the one who gave me the genetics that I passed on to you. And I had that same experience the uh, First time I popped them, I got 10 out of 10 with his uh, spike punch and they popped super fast. And right out of the uh, very beginning, they were faster than every other plant in the room. I was like, from the very beginning, it was so vigorous. I was just like, I have to try breeding myself because if he's small and he could do it, I'm like, Hey, maybe I can at least work with his really good gear and, and move it forward in a direction that I like. So shout out to him.
3: Yeah, I'm excited for it, I'm excited for it. Um, And uh, especially get some color back in the garden, get some purples, that'd be cool. So uh, yeah, super excited about it. But yeah, I'm gonna jump out because I have to, my eyes are watering and I have to pee so bad right now. So I'm gonna go ahead and jump out of here. (laughs) It was awesome hanging with you guys, but uh, yeah, I gotta go. Grower loves Spartan.
0: Grower loves Spartan, thank you you so much for joining us. Grower's love, guys. You can find him at Spartan Grown on Instagram. You can also find him at Mitten Canico. That's the commercial uh, grow facility where he is a grower at. They do an excellent job over there in Michigan, and uh, I'm happy to see that he'll be getting some purple in that garden for sure, because the velvet punch that I bred with, everything was uh, in my garden, at least, per- by like day 20, it started, and it just got more and more purple from there forward. So I uh, look forward to some hopefully really sweet artificial grape and uh, gas terps from those. So uh, I look forward to seeing them grow. But uh, next up, I'm going to pass it back over to uh, Brandon. For some reason, your box is lit up on my screen, so I don't know if you had something that you wanted to say.
6: Oh no! I no. I'll just that listen- might
0: just be where my mouse was. Oh, there.
6: oh, you know what? I was gonna say yeah. That some of the stuff that I hunted in this pheno hunt, some of the smaller unknown breeders had some of the best gear. Uh, Blue blu underscore channel. Uh, they bred a variety. It was Skywalker OG times Appalachian Thunderfuck from Bodie times Purple Gooey. Um, and, uh, I call it Thunder Sky. I picked a couple finos. phenos. It just is a beast. It just grows so fast. It's so frosty and stinky. Um, also the Aussie lotto from flying lion research, um, Australian law, land race Titan's gelato. It's another beast. Uh, my buddy tier one farms, another, or just, there's a lot of people who are putting out some
3: really good work.
0: Shout out to Flying Lion. I know they're doing some uh, rare cannabinoid breeding as well and research there. So I've been following them for a while and uh, it's cool to see breeders doing interesting things, whether it's uh, cannabis or like peppers. I found a post on Matthew's uh, page, I think Sentinel or uh, Sink Angel years ago, where it was like a breeder who showed like his F1s, F2s and all the different pepper breeding. And uh, it really inspired me to think like, well, if somebody on the home scale can do something like that with a pepper, I think cannabis can be equally if not more manipulated and uh, over years and years, I think it's a really fun process. So I'm glad you're giving people like small uh, growers and breeders exposure by growing their gear out. And I've had good experience as well, but that doesn't mean all of them are good. I will warn people. There are people that are literally like a pollen chucker. You can buy pollen online. Now you don't even have to grow a male plant. So they just buy the pollen and they chuck it at a female. And then they make some seeds and they're a seed company now. Uh, So I would say be skeptical, do your research, try and find other people that have grown out. Uh, whatever breeder you're going to grow, because you're going to be investing three, four months of your time, maybe a year if you like it, running it in your garden. So I've got, uh,
6: some, I've got some stuff I'm working on right now. In a couple of months, they'll be they'll be ready. They're flowering right now. Seeds are they're pollinated, but they have to develop. So I hit uh, my death breath, limarilla, gorilla glue, triangle cush, times NL5 haze, and uh, silverback, which is reverse back cross gorilla glue. I hit all of those with the Lime One Lime One Grape Soda Skunk, and then I hit all of my uh, ones that I had in my grow tent. I hit those with the Grape Soda Skunk too, so I have all the MK Ultra Purple Kush and Blueberry Trainwreck uh, crosses.
0: You got me tempted to pop the seeds that you sent me, but uh, I got so much other stuff that I'd already planned to pop what the, rest I, of the
6: uh, What did I send you?
0: It was like a Skunk One. Uh, I'd have to recheck the DM. Oh,
6: the Skunk One times Johnny, uh, Skunk One times Johnny Blaze, I think. like
0: a blueberry or something no
6: it's blueberry skunk one times johnny blaze so that johnny blaze is f2 uh it it was released in the mid 90s and it was f2 blueberry uh by dj short and neville's hayes and they did a collab and they called it johnny blaze and so he found a male plant out of that and he crossed his blueberry skunk one, which was a really, really nice variety. In fact, it was one of the most, was the most memorable weeds for me because it made me completely incapacitated. Like I couldn't drive on it. I couldn't go grocery shopping on it. Couldn't use a calculator on it. I was like, I was a complete idiot when I smoke this week.
0: that's it me with banana out. split man with that being said we do actually have to uh, cut it because we've only got six minutes left and I want to make sure we can get through all the shout outs uh, and keep our two hour time slot here I want to pass it over to uh, a breeder who's been a little bit quiet over there uh, you can talk maybe a little bit about some interesting work that you're doing and then give your final sign out uh, Kyle Breeder
8: hey
5: thanks jack uh yeah thanks for everybody being here um yeah so i got some things going on man i got some of that uh, mean gene gear happening i got four uh four phenos that are flowering right now they're in like week two kind of one of them i'm not the biggest fan of which i definitely won't carry over um not so much just structure wise it doesn't really work for me um i have some i basically i popped one seed of every single cross i've ever made or not one seed but a, a little basically like a small handful of every seed i've ever created and i'm kind of curious to see how that turns out some of the old stuff from uh like princess elsa from like when i first met you guys and um you know i have brandon's uh one of brandon's limarilla uh cuts that uh to me is like the loudest terpene plant that i've ever encountered uh and I, that's so
0: fucking I mean. loud
5: yeah so well i have a cut that brandon doesn't even have he said he sent me seeds to kind of you know to stress test and one of them ended up being like a, a, a gem you know and i asked brandon for permission if i could uh, play with it and he said yeah so i'm gonna kind of play around with that and see if i can basically the, the 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 yield is horrible but if i can at least uh bring some of the other all the other beautiful qualities into maybe even rock candy or something like that and just make this super loud devastating potent strain uh, that's kind of what i'm trying to hope for um
6: i look forward I to that for you sure you have to you have to dial her in if you want to hit numbers with her She's yeah, super you can't give her too much nitrogen and then she loves a lot of uh, potassium yeah and you sure. have a ton of calcium too yeah. Yeah, we're, I'm
0: teasing this right now, but we're going to bring back the Breeders Collective. And I think, Brandon, uh, I'd you appreciate if you could come, and, and as well as you, uh, the American one, because that is a show that we've got on the <clears throat> Cheap Home growth Podcast Network. And I think we'd be able to dive more into topics just like these uh, that people are really looking for that content as well. So we're going to get that up and running. It's like a once a month thing once it gets going. But uh, we do have that to look forward to in the future.
5: Yeah, I'm definitely down for that again. With um, that said, yeah, Kyle, do
0: you want to give your sign out?
5: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, if anybody wants to find any of my work, uh, Predicative Breeding on any social media platform, uh, if anybody's looking for quality feminized seeds, visit the website, the letter P, breeding.com. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful for everyone that's here. I mean, we've been doing this for a very long time now. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad that we're all still doing it. And, uh, you know, I still get random messages here and there that we're helping a lot of people and they wouldn't even as be where they're at if it wasn't for us. So it's, uh, you know, we're doing a good thing. And I just appreciate everyone that contributes. And uh, I hope to see you guys next week.
0: We hope to see you as well. And that's one of the things I most enjoy about the show. And uh, with further ado, I'm going to pass it to Brandon. uh, You were just showing us something there and maybe you could describe what it was and do your sign out.
6: Oh, it's a blueberry train wreck MK ultra. I actually uh, just, I was testing uh, out some phenos for the seed to see how they would work out in a it's just like the old blueberry train wreck that I liked so much. So I ended up popping uh, about half the seeds that I have so I can run through them, maybe make an F2, do some selections on them. Uh, The blueberry train wreck is, you know, is just as good as I think the Limarilla as far as the uh, terpene profile goes. It's just as loud. It's just different. It's like a creamy milky blueberries. Like it's, it's in like, and it has like this weird pine in it as well. Like, so it like that pushes the blueberry. It's really weird.
0: I definitely, uh, I can't wait till I can come down to Oklahoma and try out some of these things. Uh, I know a lot of people there are getting spoiled by some of the good work you're doing. So uh, where can they find you on the social medias?
6: Oh uh, yeah. You can find me uh, at uh, Bokashi earthworks. That page should always remain up. Cause I don't post any cannabis, just education. And then you can find my personal page. If it, if I don't get deleted, it will be uh, Rust, Brandon, just R U S T B R A N D O N. It's always thank a pleasure you. Be, uh, hanging out with you guys and talking to you guys. So I'll talk to you. I'll see you all next week. And thanks for tuning in,
7: listeners.
0: Yeah, thank you guys uh, so much for listening in. And thank you, Brandon, for joining us once again. That's uh, at Brandon Rust on Instagram. Uh, you can also find him at Majestic Craft Cannabis and Bokashi Earthworks. Next up, we have Dr. MJ.
1: Hey
2: everybody, Dr. MJ Coco. Yeah, this was a fun episode. I enjoyed talking all of the the plant training talk, which is just very appropriate for my little sign-off reminder to come and join us in the plant training grow challenge. Uh, This is really a lot of the stuff that that we're going to be looking at. We have a group for toppers, a group for non-toppers, a special group for people that are doing a mainline or manifold technique. Um, There's misfits. We're doing the party cup grow alongside of this. I'm putting together a bunch of prizes. We have a uh, Mars grow kit out first it's like a $350 grow kit with a tent and a light and all the, the whole nine yards um, everything's free just sign up keep a journal let's grow together um, I tossed a link just a little while ago in the chat for that if you guys want to check that out it's Coco for cannabis forward slash challenge um, you know Spartan grown uh, reminded me about my physics video when we were lo- when he was logging in um, I published that uh, Girl Light Physics video about a week ago. It's got a little over 6,000 views now. It's been doing pretty well. Um, really get into, uh, you know, understanding about uh, par testing, understanding about light distribution, thinking about how moving walls around, um, adding fixtures, doing other things like that affects the efficiency and the distribution of light. So hopefully interesting stuff and getting positive feedback. And I have a new video. It's done. It's uploaded. I'm probably going to premiere it tomorrow afternoon. Um, This is the Photon Tech X 600 Watt Pro. It's a fixture for a five by five grow space. It's a huge, beautiful light. (laughs) Um, I had a lot of fun playing with that. So come check out that video. I'll do a premiere probably tomorrow. Check out my YouTube channel, Dr. MJ Coco. And I'll try to wrap up. So I love you guys. And uh, thanks to chat. Thanks to the panel. Thanks to Jack.
0: Thank you, Doc. That was uh, quite the experience to sign off there. You got everything in. I definitely have already checked out that video. I'm one of those 6,000 viewers. I enjoyed it, uh, just like Spartan Grown. And I hope that more people do sign up for that uh, plant uh, training grow challenge over there at CocoForCannabis.com. I always love seeing the different uh, styles and techniques that everybody brings to the table with something like that. Yeah, yeah. uh, Next up, we have Aaron, the grower.
4: Thank you, Jack um and thank you rest of the panel members for having me um i do respect the fact that i am the rookie here on the panel and i appreciate you guys dealing with you know my perspective and my loud mouth i promise i'll shut up sometimes and we love episodes. it man
0: that's why we have you here
4: cool no no one worries uh no i like being here and i always love talking to you guys some of the best uh growers in the industry and breeders and uh, ipm specialists uh and uh and uh Dude, I'm so excited to get, look at your book, Jack. I know that you, I didn't know that you had all that going on and that's all really cool. Um, that said, I'm working on a, or I'm not working on it, but I'm, I'm encouraging Clackamas Coot to, to write his book. He's, he's just purchased his uh, computer. Uh, so he's going to get all that done. He said he can do it in two weeks, but I don't know. I kind of doubted him on that. Other than that, I'm working on a soil project with Sustainable Plant. Um, we're, we're looking at correlating how soil tests and tissue analysis can be interpreted in different ways to use less fertilizer in your garden or just minimize inputs in general. Um, So take a look at my Instagram. I'm at ATG Acres um, and I'm on here every Sunday. I look forward to being here next week. Thanks for having me guys.
0: We are happy to have you and I look forward to uh, seeing all that stuff that you got coming. I think that testing more in organics and uh, getting an idea of where you're at in the soil is uh, very beneficial to a lot of people. So I think we're gonna be seeing more and more in that uh, going into the future. Uh, You mentioned IPM specialists. So I want to hand it over to our resident IPM specialist, research expert, and just general uh, awesome person, Matthew. Matthew.
1: Yeah, I also enjoyed the panel quite a bit and I enjoy the um, opining by everyone on the panel on various topics. That's why we have the, the uh, cavalcade that we have, right? So if you want to learn more about pests, I have a uh, a whole slew of videos on YouTube channel Xenthanol and also a bunch of content on my Instagram account at sinkangel. You can also find me with the same name at sinkangel on Twitter as well.
0: I've been recently enjoying the Twitter, uh, along with all the other stuff that I've already been a big fan of over there, but thank you again for sharing all of the stuff that you do on your other platforms and for taking the time to come spend it here with us and informing us on the many different topics that we cover this evening. And I look forward to seeing you again next week, Matthew. Uh, next up we have Noah the grower.
8: Yeah. Hey, sorry. I was late guys. I'm uh, out doing stuff in the woods right now. I'm taking advantage of this weather we got, but, uh, Yeah, I'm Noah, the grower from Instagram with two E's. I've been doing this for quite a while, and I love uh, hanging out with all the panels. There is a bunch of ninjas here. It's always fun to rub shoulders with guys that really know their thing. I learn a lot. I always have a blast, and if you guys ever want to check out anything I got going on, come on over to my Instagram page, and uh, you can see what I'm doing. Everybody have a good day. Happy growing.
0: Happy growing to you as well, Noah. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I, I learned a lot as well throughout this. And I think everybody in the chat and uh, on the panel feels that same way. And that's why we keep on coming back week after week. Uh, that being said, the American one.
7: Thanks Jack. And uh shout out again to Shane for the originator and uh, bringing us all here. Um, and to chat, it's always good to chat. I'm, I'm in and out because of um, my situation here, but um yeah, I always like talking cannabis and all things related, and it's always good from hearing all different points of view and different parts of the country. It's always uh, intriguing, interesting, and informative. And uh, yeah, it was great. I can't wait till next week. Have a great one, everyone.
0: Thanks for joining us, The American One, and I totally agree. Gotta love the chat. Shout out to Smoking Grow, Frazier. He says, great show. Sour Diesel Ch- Tangy, Aaron S, Eagle Gardens, uh, Ganja Groa, uh, Dirt Road Dude, Max Scrim, and Ruby. That'll go into my shout out because I just did an episode one with Mr. Max Scrim and Ruby uh, called Talking Buds. He has his very own podcast where I came on and we talked a little bit about cannabis, much like this. Uh, Smaller panel, just the two of us talking a little bit. So if you want to check that out, I actually posted the link on my personal Instagram page. So you can find that at Jack Greenstock. And it will just be in the little hyperlink for at least the next week uh, until next week's show. Uh, So you can find that nice and easily. It's on Anchor right now, but it'll be on all your favorite podcast platforms in the next few weeks as it gets approved with that being said you can find me also on twitter at jack greenstock uh, cannabuzz, uh, or i'm actually jack underscore greenstock on twitter and i'm also at jack greenstock on Cannabuzz. and uh, i already mentioned my books and i've got my own podcast at greenstock talks but that is way more than a long enough plug for myself so without any further ado i want to shout out shane of the cheap home grow who puts this all together so that we can uh, have a platform to stream and share this with you live on YouTube and uh, gets posted out to all the podcast platforms for the people that listen afterwards. So thank you to all of you who listened and showed up. Thank you to everyone on the panel who came uh, shout out to Clackamas Coot, as Aaron mentioned earlier, I look forward to his book, uh, whenever he types it up on that new computer he's got. So without any more to say uh, peace and love everyone, Jack Greenstock signing out.
2: With love everyone. Happy growing.